This is a HeadGum Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show, and uh, this is probably our greatest recurring tradition on this podcast. It is Jeff and Pat's Summer Movie Review 2017. Please welcome to the show, uh, writer for Samantha B, uh, Pat Castles. Hey, what's, what's the proper name of your show? Full Frontal with Samantha B. Full Frontal with Samantha B. And uh, nominated Full Frontal with Samantha B. Yes, thank you. Congratulations. Uh, so, this is the episode of the summer where uh, Pat and I report on all the work we've been doing, seeing all the stupid movies. We spend five minutes on each movie. This is a very tight five minutes. Uh, we are timed by a giant, uh, he looks like five or 600-pound man wearing no shirt, uh, standing next to a gong. Mm-hmm. He, after five minutes, he will ring the gong. He will say nothing else, but he's standing here in the corner. Yeah. Uh, you like, did you find him on TaskRabbit or Craigslist? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, he's, he looks like a pro. Yeah, he's good. He's good. I've used him, I've used him for you know, just personal use before. So uh, every after we've been talking for a movie for five minutes, it will gong. Well, you know, sort of have to move on. You know, loose rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And no, I resp- I, I, I'll respect the gong. I'll respect the gong. I'll respect the gong, but I got a lot I want to say about a lot of these movies. Yeah. So True. we are going to jump around a little chronologically. Um, we were just talking about, it, and usually we start at the beginning of the summer and go to the end. This year we're jumping around a little. Why not? And, Pat, here's a question I actually want to put to you um, for all of these movies. I've been thinking about how like movies are not. I don't know. It's hard sometimes to say if a movie is like good or bad. And there's definitely movies I see that I enjoy, and I don't think they're very good movies. And also the, uh, the flip side, there's movies I see that I know are good movies. Uh, and I don't really enjoy them very much for whatever reason. So I was thinking maybe this year we could look at all these movies and rather than coming out on if it's good or bad, say who we would recommend it to and who we oh, would recommend it like to. among our friends? No, no, not not specific people, but just like uh, what kind of person should be watching this movie rather all than right. if it's good or bad. I'm into it, yeah. I like that. I don't like giving thumbs up, thumbs down reviews right. anyway, you know? it's a li- Okay, so... Let's let's get in. Let's start with one we both saw. How about Baby Driver? What about Baby Driver? Oh, Baby Driver. All okay. right. I'm going to we, uh, are signal, we on the clock? signal to the man in the corner. We are now talking about Baby Driver. Baby Driver came out June uh, 28th, uh, directed by Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. um, and starring a bunch of people. I don't know. So, you know, what? What I feel like a lot of people may not know, like, just the basic premise or what this movie's about. Yeah. This is... Uh, it's kind of like a fun caper bank robbing movie with a, a, yeah. with a lot of car chases. And then sort of notably, it's all set to music or most of it's set to music and most of the cuts are to music. And it's almost like a, a long yeah, that, video. Yeah, that, that aspect of it I found pretty interesting how it's like I, I've never really seen a movie quite like it. Like I, I don't think I loved it as much as some of my friends did, um, even though I obviously love Edgar Wright. Um, but that, the whole – yeah, it's – I. It's not a musical. I don't think it would qualify as a musical. But yeah, the t- the way that it's all edited with the, I've just never seen that before in a movie that isn't you know ostensibly a musical. Yeah, I also liked it, but I think it's probably my least favorite Edgar Wright movie, which is not bad. I like all Edgar Wright movies, so like that doesn't mean it's not good or anything. Well, it's his first. It's I I do like that he. It's his first like normal movie, which is I find even though you know, it's, it's weird to call a movie about, with crazy car chases and stuff normal, but. 
you know, it's not sci, it's not sci-fi, it's not fantasy, it's not like a genre parody, like hot. Like every movie he's done other than this has been like pretty out there, like you know, genre-wise. And this one's like, you know, like uh, Justin Lin could have made this movie. You know, it's well, it's a little more. I mean, the the, the music. Conceit, oh, I like Justin Lin. Let me clarify. <laughs> the, the music yeah. conceit's pretty stylin. I guess, like, it's fun to, obviously, this is true of almost all these movies. I don't think any of them are, like, miserable to watch. Like, I don't think I saw any, well, there's a few, actually. But uh, <laughs> most of these movies are at least, like, tolerable. Like, ba- Baby Drivers, like, goes down easy. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's an easy watch. It's funny. It's fun. The performances are great. Obviously, I thought the main kid, Angel. I was going to say, yeah, I, don't I don't know his name. name. It's He's fine, bizarre. but also, like, you got a bunch of ringers in there, like John Hamm, Kevin Spacey. I thought Jamie Foxx was particularly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um... So all of that is good, but I guess at the end, like reflecting on it, like it was fun watching it, but like I guess I'm not sure what I was supposed to take away from it and like what it was really, uh, you know, but I like, like that about. Tr- yeah, I guess I do like. I just really I mean, like. Maybe it doesn't you know, have to be or anything, but I really respect when directors like pivot after a couple of movies and don't do the same thing exactly over. Yeah. And he Edgar Wright's last couple of movies, this one not included, were all obviously like ama- everyone loved them. Like World's End, Shaun of the Dead is basically a classic. Yeah. And like, but so it's cool. Him, he could have done probably done. He probably could have done ten more of those movies of like weird, funny, John right, right. sci-fi parodies. And he decided like, no, I'm just gonna make like a straight up race car movie. Like you know, it's a, I, that's what I, I really mean. It sounds like a weird compliment, like, but the normality of it was kind of refreshing to me. I just like that he's trying something different. Let me ask you about that title. I think it is a terrible title for a movie. I've seen the movie. I don't know what it means. Like, no one calls him the baby driver or anything. His name, like, I don't even understand. His name is Baby, though, isn't it? Yeah, but, like, what's baby driver? That's not, like, a sentence or, like, a phrase anyone, like, what? what is... What are the what use that in a sentence? The word baby driver, you know, like right, the he is the is, is he the baby driver? Is baby driver? And the reason I'm bringing it up is because I recommended this movie to my father. I get my love of stupid movies from my father, and my father loves car chases. His all time favorite movie. Your dad that, loves cars. Period. Yeah, right? he's he a big does, car he, maniac. He really likes yeah. cars, and he really likes movies with car chases. And his favorite movie is The Blues Brothers. And even before I saw Baby Driver, I saw the reviews, and I was like, Dad, I think you're going to want to see this movie. I'm hearing there's a lot of good car chases in this movie. He went and saw it. He liked it. He had a great time. Um, But he cannot, for the life of him, remember the name of this movie. Like, I've talked to him about it, like, three or four times, and every time he's like, the baby movie, baby something. And, like, I don't know. I just wonder. I guess I'm curious if you think the title, like, affected... The, the reception of the movie at all. I don't know I, if it, I mean, I don't know if it, it I, it's definitely not, I'm sure like the studio executive, it, if the studio probably wa- would rather have called it like, you know, hot pursuit or whatever. That, yeah, that's yeah. Actually, you know, I'm sure they would give yeah, it a much yeah, yeah. less interesting title. Um, if they had their druthers, I here, one thing I will say, I noticed that a lot of uh, some people, some friends were just when they're like in that parent way, when their wires would cross, they would call it boss baby. Right. Cause right. boss baby came out this summer too. It was also a pretty big movie. Um, but very, very different. It's kind of like that John Stewart, John Daly, weird like w- wire crossing thing. The other, right. I'm sure. I bet you there's like one person in the plant. There's got to be in the whole world who accidentally saw Boss Baby, bought a ticket to Boss Baby when they meant to see Baby Driver, or vice versa. Right? We, we only have and that, that sounds ins- okay, that sounds right. Gone. Is the gong coming up? We got like 20 seconds left. The other thing I want to say, just looking at my notes about Baby Driver, is that I was really surprised how violent it got in the end and like i'm not squeamish about violence as you'll hear over the course of this podcast but like i was just like not based on the first like two-thirds of the movie i was not expecting the finale and like the last half it or whatever to be as uh sort of violent as it was and that sort of yeah 
Oh no! Ooh. Well, we didn't say who do you recommend. Who who, so we would who recommend do we recommend? It? I mean, Baby Driver is a fun movie. It's pretty easy to recommend to anyone. I'm mean, like my dad. I recommended it to my dad, so that's easy. Dads like it. Yeah, I re- I would also re- and that I, again like these sound like um, these sound like backhanded compliments, but definitely parents. But here's the it's thing. really fun, and there's not like there's not a lot of sex in it, so there's no unco- there's no awkwardness there. <laughs> but I would not recommend it to people who don't like action movies because the action is fun and it's fun and it's easy to watch but like I don't yeah. think it really transcends that like that's the reason to go see it is you like watching fun car chases if and you, it's if great you really at that like the, if you like the Fast and the Furious movies but you thought the last one was a little over the top this one could be a good one this could be a good uh, this is like Fast and the Furious 4 not 7 alright well why don't we move on from Baby Driver keep in the cars theme and it is time for Jeff's annual Pixar rant as we oh. move on uh, to Cars Three, a movie you did not see, but you better believe I saw. I like I, it, it, I don't you don't have to do this, but I do like um, as you pick the movies, trying to find the most thematically close. Oh, one, okay, okay. <laughs> or finding some connection. Um, so yeah, I did not see this. I'm sorry, I haven't seen any of the Cars movies. Believe really? it or not, yeah. So let me quickly recap for you my thoughts on the Cars movies. Yes, I think Cars One is actually underrated. It's uh, it was by far the worst Pixar movie at the time. But it's not bad. That's like the worst Edgar Wright movie. It's not bad at all. Cars 1 is totally fine. It's not great. It's not, um, you know, it's no Ratatouille or Up or anything. But it's totally fine. It's pretty good. Cars 2 is awful. It is still the worst Pixar movie. Cars 1 is this uh, movie about a race car, and he breaks down, and he, like, has to learn to slow down a little. And he, like, is in this small town. He learns maybe he doesn't always have to go fast. Cars 2 is, like, his friend Mater becomes, like, an international super spy. It's, like, really... <laughs> Less not- human themes in um, that one. Cars 3, actually, I this is... What uh, completely ignores the events of Cars 2, which I really like. It's much more like Cars 1. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so uh, this is one of the few movies, actually, where I actually kind of need to discuss the ending a little bit to, to talk about my feelings about it. So I guess, uh, spoiler for Cars 3, you got about four minutes of Cars 3 talk left if you're going <laughs> to see the end. Uh, okay, so this is not that spoilery because it was in all the trailers, but Lightning McQueen, the main car, Owen Wilson, gets in like a horrific car wreck. And um, it's like it's like the serious Pixar scene in the movie, and it's pretty. I mean, it looks great. Like they probably had like fifty Pixar like geniuses like studying car wrecks for like two years yeah, to do this yeah, one yeah. scene. Um, it doesn't look like you don't see the eyes or anything. Baby Driver also but no, some very notable, amazing car wrecks. We're talking about Cars yeah. Three now, Pat. This is my Cars Three. <laughs> Sorry, <time. I> just- <laughs> um, he. Uh, it, it looks like a real car crash. Like you don't see their goofy eye. Like you don't see him like his mouth opening as he's like flipping over. Like uh-huh. it just looks like a real car wreck. <laughs> and like so, I saw the movie opening weekend. There's like a lot of like kids chattering or whatever. I get it. It's a Pixar movie. But after that car wreck, silence. Wow. Like it like really changed the temperature in the room. And we heard one kid uh, ask his friend, "Is he?" Or ask his parents. Is he dead? Which was really, like, it was almost worth going to see the movie to, like, hear the oxygen sucked out of the room after the serious car crash scene. That's so crazy. So, um, then the rest of the movie is about, like, Lightning trying to uh, get back into it and training. And he has this trainer. And the trainer is like, you know, I always wanted a race, but I never had a chance. And then, you know, no one ever gave me a chance. And then Lightning, like, can't quite race again and it's obvious he should be training the other woman and that's where the movie's that is the coach and that's he should be training his trainer yeah like he should become a coach and stop competing because there's all these like new computer cars that are beating him owen wilson should yeah and that's like obviously where the movie's going but it doesn't get there till like the last few minutes of the movie like it takes lightning so long to realize (laughs) that like he basically doesn't deserve credit for when he finally gets there like he goes and visit doc hudson who's the paul newman car in the first movie he goes and visits like all of doc's friends and they're like you know 
Doc was never happier. Like, and he sees him racing. He's like, boy, he looks so happy. I wish I could have seen him racing. He's like, you know, Doc told us he was never happier than when he was coaching you. And Lightning's like, cool, cool. Well, I'm going to go race again. Like, he's just not <laughs> fucking getting it. And then, like, the last, he actually goes and starts the last race. And then, like, something happens, and he, like, drops out of the race and suddenly replaces the him his position with the other car. And it's finally nice when this happens. But, but it's it just like, take a while. But he, he literally starts, he's, he started and ran half the race already before he's like, you know what? You should be the right. one racing. <laughs> but it sounds like, but you, it was like, uh, it sounds like this one is much closer to the first one. It is, like, it is. And there's, this is not. So a, what happened with, why did the second, why was, this, not only, I don't know, not even talking about quality, like. It just seems so fundamentally different than the and than almost every other Pixar movie. What was different? I, I don't it was like know. Like a different boss in charge, a different writer, or something. No, I mean John Lass. I guess. I mean, I assume John Lasseter is like touching all this. I don't know a lot about like the hard spies were really in in two thousand seven. This it was, is a more human concept. I mean, Cars is like super toy friendly. Like it's the most toy yeah. friendly Pixar franchise. Yeah. They sell a ton of toys. So like the spies and the gizmos is probably how they got there. Um, so like this is sort of a human lesson, but it's a weird thing. The lesson is like you know, maturing and realizing when you're past your prime and it's time to move on, which is a very weird lesson to teach in the most kid-friendly Pixar thing. It is, like, a lesson that is not applicable to anyone watching the movie for, like, 50 years, you oh, know? the whole, like, getting old. That's yeah. like Toy Story 3, though. That has, like, the, I feel like the themes yeah. that are, like, when you, when, you're go, when you go to college, get rid of your toys. Or, yeah. and, or, like, I don't know, like, the whole, like, mortality thing in that, which is great. Right, that movie's right. obviously very good. Childhood's End is a little different than, like, this is, like, almost, like, about retirement, you know, which is, like, a weird thing. I only have 20 more seconds. But so I, is Toy Story 3, kind of. They go to the retirement home and stuff. Uh, and they're both part threes. But Cars is so much more kid-friendly. I, I got 10 seconds left. I got to blow through the gong reporting this last piece of information, okay. uh, which is they go and visit some of Doc's friends. One of them is played by uh, Margot Martindale, and one of them is played by um, Clay Davis from The Wire. Isaiah Whitlock, I think is his name. I think you're right. And um, the, Ooh, oh. here we go. I, you got to hear this. So there's a lot of talk out there. There's a thing... The large man with the gong thing is looking at <laughs> Jeff disapprovingly right now, but uh, we'll, we'll give him a pass. There's a lot of popular... There's a thing I've seen online a few times, and it's funny about how, like, Cars, there's a lot of logical f- holes in the Cars universe. Like, there's, like, a <laughs> tiny little child car cheering, and it's like, does he grow up? Is he stuck as a child car forever? There's, like, a million things like that you could pick apart in the Cars world. One thing that I've seen online a few times, it is funny, is that um, at some point, Cars invokes World War II. And, um, like, what does that mean? Is there, like, a car Hitler? Was there, like, a car Holocaust? Like, Ooh. what? And... So someone like kind of spun that. In this one, um, the Margot Martindale car says to this trainer car, she's like, you know, back when we started, some people didn't want us racing. Isn't that right, Isaiah Whitlock car? And he's like, that's right. And kind of the implication is that like uh, women and cars of color, whatever that means, had to like were there was there was racism and sexism in the in the cars universe yeah, in like the twenties. Heavy. And then it's just like, what does that even like? How can you even be racist to a car? They're all different. Colors. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, racism like in humanity doesn't like totally make sense. So maybe. Listen, Jeff. I'm sorry. This like shook your little narrow cars worldview. Well, Uh, the the thing about the World War II thing is it requires like they probably didn't think about that when they were doing it. Like, there's I think there's a joke in the planes movie where like there's a World War II plane and then then let me ask you. But this is the movie stopped and like explicitly mentioned. What kind of car would Hitler car be? Car Hitler be. 
probably I, like an old like German, I guess, like right? a Model T or something like that. Yeah, oh yeah, like a Volkswagen. Um, so a black dark Volkswagen. I got to tell you, I cannot recommend Cars Three for adults. I really didn't think it was very good. Even Cars One and Cars Two, maybe. Though I don't remember Cars Two very well. So not for your parents. No, no. Cars One maybe for your niece or nephew has some pretty good car jokes in it. There's like. Uh, like the bugs are VW bugs, and you know Pixar always like layers on like fun Ooh. like car jokes like that. Cars three like isn't even funny. Like I I, I, would, I cannot really recommend that. I know who I recommend this to. Who? My second youngest nephew Christian, who recently has really gotten into Hot Wheels and stuff. Perfect. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, a little yeah. kid, and he's the perfect age. He's like a little kid. I should say I know who that's for. The like I know that is who cars are for. I know when I go see Cars three, what I'm signing up for. Um, so yeah, and I just want to confirm everyone's suspicion. Yes, Cars 3 is indeed for children. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about one that you saw that I didn't. Um, this Ooh, is one when we recorded the last episode uh, of this podcast. You texted me while we were recording that you had seen it. It is The Mummy starring oh, Tom yes. Cruise. I did not make it to The Mummy. Um, What's the thematic connection between mummies? Uh, it's already fall- the wheel's already falling yeah, off Yeah, this that. is just one you saw that I didn't uh, see. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, that's so good. So this is The Mummy. Uh, I don't know, Pat, How uh, is The Mummy good? You, I believe you reported it was not good. The Mummy is not good. I cannot say it is good. Um, I, it's, you know, so the big thing about the movie is that they're trying to, like, I heard that they were trying to establish this whole dark universe thing. The whole, like, sequels are yesterday's news. The new thing is shared universes. You know, obviously the Marvel shared universe. But I think, I've heard they're trying to do this with the with Godzilla and King Kong. Like, the reason they made King, yeah. King Kong much bigger in the last King Kong is so that he's big enough to fight Godzilla, apparently. Because he's, like, enormous in the new movie. I haven't seen yeah, it, Yeah, at the like, end of the last, at the, in yeah. the post-credit scene, this is not really a spoiler, guys. At the In the post-credit scene of Kong, I think they invoke, like, Mothra and... Yeah. Or maybe that's Godzilla. At the post credit scene of one of them, they like they show Rodan and um, yeah. you know. Anyway, so they're trying to do that with these monsters, with like Frankenstein, and, you know, basically the Monster Mash. It's kind of interesting. When, like, the, the, when they all come together, like the Avengers for this movie will be the Monster Mash movie. The Universal monsters are almost like the first universe. I'm not super Good, familiar with those movies. That's a great movies, point, but right? Like, that's like that was like one of the first franchises, maybe. Like, I think like Frankenstein meets Dracula. There's, I'm sure. Yeah, and also Abbott and Costello were in that shared right, universe Abbott, a lot. Abbott and Costello connect them all i mean like i think i think like abbott costello meet frankenstein you've probably seen more of those movies than i have but like if abbott costello meet frankenstein i I think like the mummy is also in that or something like there's they bring in a lot of different monsters in those movies i heard a lot of people complaining making fun of criticizing the fact that the mummy before the movie starts and i didn't see the movie so i just heard this says like a dark universe tale or something like that like there's like i don't remember that part of the dark universe well the 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 universal logo comes up and Um, then like you're, you're going, you know, you're oh, going, just, and then, like, that after Universal, like, scrolls across the globe, it, like, zooms back in, and, like, the sun goes, the light goes away, and then the, so it's, like, a modification. But, yeah, there's, like, there, there's a really you, specific like Dark it, Universe bumper. I like it when a movie uh, plays with the production logo, like, Waterworld, when, like, it's, like, the that's, Earth that's logo, what, and, mm-hmm. like, every, all the, all the totally. seas rise, and, uh... Oh, there's some there's good ones. There's a ones. whole, like, supercut of those yeah, I mean, those on the are internet. Fun. Um, but that one's really yeah the the um so the, why is this movie bad because it looks like a fun like I like Tom Cruise mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is good right Tom Cruise yeah. makes fun action movies this looks like a fun Tom Cruise action movie what's the problem it's just it's uh I think the the mythos the world the mythos world being is really messy and so I really can't remember like why the mummy was made or what it wasn't 
I didn't find it very fun. The whole action sequences were not great. It was very dark and had that kind of dark muddiness that you could never really see what was going on. That's kind of like an old person complaint, but um, no, that's a good action movie complaint because like they'll. Be- a good action movie, like, it should be clear yeah. what's happening. You know? And, you know, I'm, I'm totally on board with the female mummy. I want to be clear about that. I, mean, I have no problem with it whatsoever. But, like, it was also just a very... Uh, every, like, the mummy was very un-mummy-like. Like, no bandages in this movie whatsoever. Mm. I mean... Yeah, like, what Maybe I'm too, mu- too much of a mummy purist to take umbrage with that. The mummy is much more like a sorceress or a wizard or something than That's a mummy. That's kind of true of the Brendan Fraser mummies, too, though. Right? Yeah, but at least the first half of that movie, the mummy is, like, this grotesque skeleton. And then once Imhotep sucks in a couple of mm-hmm. uh, souls, then he becomes, which I think is maybe even the original, original mummy, too. I don't really remember. I don't know. I've never seen, like, I the think the Brendan mummy. Fraser one was better. It's just a little more fun, a little more, like, grotesque. So, let me... It kind of has that, like, it should be, like, a ho- it should be horrifying. And I, I just didn't find this horrifying. I have something I'd like to report uh, yeah. about Brendan Fraser. So, Brendan Fraser, who I'm a big fan of, uh, on Instagram, shared an image. This is pretty salty. The week the movie came out, uh, you did, like, a Google search for the mummy. And, you know, if you do that, you get, like, Google, like, uh, on top of the results will give you the movie reviews yeah, or yeah. whatever. And he posted a screen cap of that. And it was uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So this is the new mummy. Brendan Fraser posting the screen cap. Rotten Tomatoes, 20%. Metacritic, 35%. Ebert, one and a half stars. That's, like, what Google gives you when you search. Um, Brendan Fraser's comment on Instagram. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Whoa! Here's the thing. I looked up the reviews of his last mummy movie. Tomb, Tomb of, of the, the Dragon, Dragon Emperor. Emperor. Which you and I watched, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, 12% on Rotten Tomatoes, 31% on Metacritic. Though actually, and this is not a joke, Ebert gave it three stars. Uh, he said, now why'd I like this movie? It was just plain dumb fun is why. It is also absurd and preposterous and proud. But I guess what I'd say to Brendan Fraser is maybe it was broke. Yeah. And, uh, also, and also, he didn't invent fucking mummies. Like, his thing was also a remake. There's a um, the Wire just did this article about like apparently like the Brendan Fraser Facebook fan page is like very very active with like Brendan and but like it's also everyone's like very nice to each other. Um, but the the most recent like controversy was like some people getting really mad and like trash talking this new Mummy movie. <laughs> it's like and they're like. And other people are like, hey, man, come on, listen, let's just give it a... Brendan... Well, actually, I think some of you were like, hey, man, let's not knock Tom Cruise in the new one. Uh, sorry, I'm going to blow past the gong here. <laughs> um, becoming custom. And because that's all Brendan would do. Brendan's a nice guy. Lo and behold, now you're telling me that was actually pretty... That is pretty salty of him. I'm so glad you did that. That's like the most investigative reporting you've ever done know, on this podcast. I'm very proud of you. Thank I you. do want to say, there's one thing I really want to... I don't want to move on from The Mummy. One aspect that I really did... And also, you know, Tom Cruise is fine in it. It's interesting that he did this movie because I think it's the first, you know, it just feels like, it feels beneath him, like not like that I worship Tom Cruise, but just as like, he's still a pretty big movie star and to be like, I don't know, you know, like to tap him seems interesting. But, oh, I'm sorry, let me, let me the, the real thing I want to mention is one aspect I really did like in this movie is uh, Russell Crowe is in it and spoiler alert, maybe he actually, his his character I've heard, is. I've heard this not from you. Who Doctor Jekyll and Mister? He's yeah. Doctor Jekyll and Mister. You don't know that when you first meet him, but that becomes like the thing. And there's this one action sequence where he transforms into Mister Hyde, the bad version of himself, and fights Tom Cruise for a few minutes. That and that, obviously they're world building here. There's just, the, yeah. the whole dark universe gets bigger. That when he pl- transforms to Mister Hyde, 
that performance I found really fun and good. Like he kind of adopts this super Cockney accent, like a British does, co- and he's like, kind of de- devious. And you can just tell so Russell, still Crow Russell Crow or does he like become like a monster? It's still Russell Crowe. He does not become, I mean, it's not, he gets stronger, I think, but he does not like, there's no like CG. Right. It's just all his That's performance. I think it's one of the better Russell Crowe performances I've seen in the last couple of years or the more fun Russell Crowe. Could you recommend it to anyone? I'll tell you my dad who has a fairly high tolerance for this garbage as we're learning over this podcast. My yeah. dad was like, that is not a good movie. And I think that might be the only movie you said that about all summer wow yeah. uh yeah i don't really know uh is there you, anyone who the mummy is appropriate for uh people who i don't know maybe brendan fraser man i think brendan fraser just uh you know learn his lesson to not knock it all right well that's a weird answer i don't know brendan fraser brendan fraser go see the mummy go, just go see the mummy before you start track i'm not saying you're wrong i'm not saying it's a good movie but you know i just think he could probably be a little humbled. Um, well, you know who wasn't humble? Who? The, I, the whatever her name was that was the mummy, and <laughs> she got punished for it. Um, I'm looking around for like our next thematic jump, and it's going to be pretty tough. Uh, I'm thinking like just like well, no, maybe franchise starters. Are there any other? Fr- oh, I got one. Here's here's a, here's a franchise starter that might might not be starting a franchise. Okay. It is Valerian and the City of a Thousand oh, sure. Planets. Just I, came out this weekend. Pat and I separately went to uh, uh, great lengths to see it before we were able to record this. I mean, podcast. We were both very. I mean, we both were very excited to see it. So yeah, which you can, I can't say about all of these movies. So this this is this one's pretty recent. This came out July twenty uh, first. So maybe not everyone has seen it. Yet. Let me start the. I saw it less than twenty four hours to ago. Start the timer. So this is Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, it is a space movie with lots of aliens and spaceships and what have you. Uh, directed by Luc Besson, who directed uh, The Fifth Element, amongst other great the movies. The Professional. The Professional. I, here's how good The Professional is. Before the trailer for Valerian, it was like, from Luc Besson, the director of The Professional. That movie has never been that popular, and it's like 25 years old, and they're still like they're still putting it before his totally. movies. That's it's how good great that movie is. Movie. So, um... This is right up my alley. I always say how I like movies with like robots, aliens, and monsters. This is a triple threat. It's got them all. Yeah. So I've been very excited for this movie. I love The Fifth Element. Um, and I saw it, and uh, it was not that good. It was I, so I act. So this is like actually part of the reason I instituted this recommendation system, as opposed to the good or bad, because I kind of enjoyed watching it. Like it worked for me a little because like yeah. this is so up my alley. Um, but in no way, shape, or form is this a good movie. It is like. Clearly not a good movie. Yeah, it had some has some pretty unforgivable flaws. But I agree. Like I, I saw it with a pretty large crew of friends that we know. Some some of whom are pretty critical of you know have pretty high tastes in movies. And I think we all were on the same page that it's deeply flawed in many ways. But I think everyone was came out of it like kind of giddy with excitement because it's just such a it's I would call it like a beautiful disaster. You know, remember the Nathan Rabin rankings? Like yeah. You call it, what's uh, the, uh, the? There's like the movie that's fiasco, a secret success, secret success, fiasco, and failure. I think. Yeah. I think fiasco. This is a, a fiasco, fiasco, which is sure. better than failure. Definitely. Like, definitely. I think that. Interesting to do with I fiasco. think the world building in this was unbelievable. Yeah. The the creature design unbelievable. Tons of cool. Did you some see of the action see- sequences were amazing, and but just some of the more like. Primal, some of the more subtler basic movie making elements, like say the lead performances and the lead um, 
yeah. characters. I and, mean, though, and that's and that those matter. I'm not saying yeah, those yeah. are those are not like well, those are not not unforgivable mistakes. So I like I, as I keep saying, I love these like robot alien monsters mm-hmm. movies. But you gotta like hook it up to something remotely competent. Like Pacific Rim is like not the best movie of all time, but it's got great robots, great monsters, and like the movie's reasonably competent. Like yeah. everything's good. Like you know who everyone is and what they want, and like it moves and it, there's jokes that are funny. Um, and like, so that competence like carries you through the scenes where like a robot isn't slashing a giant monster in half. Yeah. This movie does not have like, it's like whenever the two main characters, Valerian and his girlfriend who didn't deserve to be in the title for some reason, even though she's probably in the movie more than And the is. comic it's based on, that character's, the character, the name, the name of the comic is actually Valerian and I can't remember the character. I can't name, remember I'm her sorry. name either. But like, they just decide to remove that character's name and just make it Valerian, even though they're total co-equal partners. It's trouble that I can't remember her name because... They're, like, the only two characters that are in the movie for more than 15 minutes, you know? Like I, I still... I only know Valerian because it's, like, in the title. And I kept calling... This is such a not... This is not, like... A, it's This is such a minor thing to point out, but, like, I kept calling the city Valerian, and it's not... The city is not called Valeria. The yeah, city is called the city, Alpha. The city was awesome. Like, that Holy. first five minutes was, like, the best five minutes of the movie. Like, kind of when they show... It's interesting. The movie has, like, two prologues that were both great. You got... Yeah. The, you see how the city is built, and then you see, like, a look at that idyllic... Like beach planet, more mar. It was very like sea punky, and everyone had like seashell backpacks. And, very cool, and that's cool. And like then you meet Valerian and Lorelai, I think. Yeah, and then the movie, like man, they are. It is tough. Like I was unclear. Like he proposes marriage to her like early on in the movie, and mm-hmm. I was like, are they coworkers? Is he their boss? Have they been dating? Like I could not read from their performances in the script. Like what their basic relationship was. Like, that's a huge problem for the And I also movie. feel like they couldn't design... I mean, it, it, it's not entirely like either he, of their fault. I mean, Dane DeHaan is actually a great actor. He's in some other... But he's only... He's just very weirdly cast in this because every one of his roles are like... He plays like dark, brooding kind of teens, everything before this. Oh, uh, that movie... He did that movie, um... Uh, Chronicle. Yeah. Like, that's... and that, But he's... That's like the lighter end of his spectrum. And I'm not saying... You know, obviously I understand as an actor you want to try new stuff, but like, it was just uh, miscasting, I think. Um, however, I also... Yeah, I think... And I think this the, in the script they couldn't decide... They should have made harder choices. They were like, okay, he's a military man and like a really disciplined genius soldier, but also we want to make him like a kind of rebel pilot... Rebel pirate. He, they wanted to be like Han Solo and like a SEAL Team 6 member, and those things are not compatible you know I, I, I don't know it really had like a they really were trying to make it like a star wars han solo so type an interesting thing, thing about it landing i valerian the valerian lorelei the french graphic novel total pop culture blind spot for me i'd never heard of it um and you've listened to this podcast enough you probably know i'm like re, i i'm pretty good at like uh at least being aware of this stuff i never heard of it it's been yeah. running since the 60s and i can see looking at the art that i think uh it not only predates star wars but i think it's Probably, I'm speculating, like, one of the things that influences it. Because it, it does feel pretty Star Wars-y in that it's, like, this crazy future world. But everything's, like, very lived in and, like, kind of dilapidated and broken. It's, like, the future world, but, like, no one's built anything new for, like, a few hundred years or whatever. So I think this like, movie, I think the movie has elements of that. Is that I, I mean, I, I think the whole, the whole, yeah, Alpha, that city is just, I, I would love to just know let me just I would definitely love to take a tour of Alpha. <laughs> totally. I mean you get to for like thirty seconds at a time when they're running through it and it's always yeah. fun. So I would recommend this movie to if you're like me and you like robots, monsters and aliens, I think you could enjoy Valerian. Um it's way too long and it's not it's like just not a good movie. It just is not a good movie. But 
Um, you know, it's one of those, this is like a pretty common thing people say about summer movies, I feel like, is that like, oh, it looks great, and the visual spectacle is there, but like the story's not there, or whatever. And that's like a pretty common complaint about summer movies. I don't think I invoke that that often, but this movie is the most that I have ever, I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and like the visual, is it like, Calling the the visuals impressive and like Transformers is just like they're just technically like yeah there's a lot of money this is like there's a lot of money but also a lot of art and yeah we always talk on this podcast uh, when we do these about like movies that like you feel like your ticket comes with like a uh, a uh, uh, free copy of like the hardcover coffee yeah. table book of yes. the art and this, this is, has this one, is of one of those for sure also I would recommend I would recommend this to most people um, even though as, despite the the many flaws that we've noted just a because of all that I mean, just see it in theaters just because that's yeah. Don't, because I it's it in 3D though and I regretted that it was not very good in 3D um, but also and I want to I, I think it's very important I respect that even that is. Um, there are so few original sci-fi movies that come out in the summer with this kind of money before them, b- behind them. And obviously this is based on a French grab- comic book. But ostensibly, I would call it an original film. It's yeah. no, no, one, no one went to this movie just because of the comic, I think. Yeah. Not like, this is, this unlike Transfor- like the, a sequel or Fast and the Furious sequel or Transformers. And I like it. You know, when, I remember a couple of years ago when, um, when Edge of Tomorrow came out, which is a great movie, um, the Tom Cruise thing, also based on an obscure novel, but basically a an original film. Too. I think it's Japanese. And I think Kumail Nanjiani had a great tweet about, like, you know, you sh- if you complain about no original sci-fi movies in the summer or no original movies during the summer and you don't see this movie, like, you don't have a right to complain because this, this is it. Valerian and, or uh, the other one? The, uh, Edge or of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, Edge of yeah. Tomorrow you know. This, you, that that you is a better liked- movie than this movie, yeah. obviously, but, like, I... I think they both have a there's a lot of originality in both of them edge of tomorrow like if you took out all this spectacular action scenes would still be very funny and very good yeah, you know oh absolutely it's yeah. a great movie all right well you mentioned kumail that sets up our nice next transition pretty easily uh the big sick the big sick mm-hmm. um i have the same exact critique with valerian actually <laughs> i think the world building the alien creature design was unbelievable yeah so no, the I'm big kidding. sick uh <laughs> i love this movie uh, this was good uh kumail and emily who, so this is a movie by Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon, who we've both been friendly with for years. They were on our show on College Humor. They've been on our, yeah, they've been on this podcast. We've great, been on their really podcast. Nice They're great, great the people. nicest people in the yeah. world, as everyone in the comedy community will tell you. And they made a movie, and the movie is great. And it was it's funny because Kumail and Emily are so well-liked. Like, it took a few good reviews before I, heard, I started believing, like, oh, man, this is probably going to be real. This is I think they really delivered. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Just because, like, no one was going to... Well, it's they funny, have such like, a reservoir of goodwill. Yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny, like you you can see the kind of movies I usually see by listening to this podcast, and like like halfway through this movie, I was like, wow, there's like no robots or aliens at all. Like you just got to write and act in this kind of movie, you know? Like, another good parent recommendation. Yeah, I would say. my mom. But you know, it's funny. My mom, and this is what one thing that's so exciting about this movie is that like. I think it's like totally broken through. It's like I think it's much bigger than anyone thought it was going to be, and like it's really landed. And like, I want to give with a, a special shout. Oh, not that like, he's he's really going to appreciate this, but um, I'm kidding. Well, but no, I want to give seriously give a shout out to Ray Romano's like specifically cite Ray Romano's performance, which I thought was ever all the performances are good, but his in particular I thought was just so so funny. And yeah. So and it, and also like he just doesn't. You don't. He does, you don't see him as much. He doesn't yeah. act that much. He just, he's not. He's not in as many movies as like you know even Holly Hunter or something like that. He just. I feel like he sort of took a maybe leave of some kind or was more focusing on stand up. Whatever the reason. Um. I just. Ha- I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen him in a feature film before. And it was. It was great. He just was so funny and so like. I think he had some of the. He's, a, he's in a movie filled with like some of the best comedians working, and I guess including himself. Yeah. But he just was nailing it. Yeah. And I also got to go. They, the 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 movie did like a, a tour 
like a stand-up tour to promote the film with like with Kumail obviously, but also with uh, A.D. Bryan and some of the all the all the Kurt Brownell or all these other comedians who are in the movie and Ray Romano. And I was like, oh, I have never seen him do stand-up before. I kind of I was a little too young when he was like doing the stand-up stuff like all the time, like before Everybody Loves Raymond. So I was like, oh, that's a good like bucket list stand-up to see. Like I I didn't think it was going to be bad, but I was also kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter. I just kind of want to see him. And I was like blown away. He was so so funny. Still, like, just sharp, and all of his material was great. And anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just gushing about Ray Romano a lot, but I really liked him in the movie. Something I liked about the movie was I found it, and I suspect I'm not alone on this, like, very relatable, even though I'm not Pakistani and was not dating a girl who went into a coma. Like, I, there's nothing about the specific situation yeah. that is relatable to my life. Um, but I think in the relationships between all the both sets of parents that there's a lot that almost anyone can find there that they can relate to. And I thought um, that's probably the reason the movie's resonating. Like, I think there are people for whom this will be their favorite movie of all time. You know, like Ooh, there, there yeah. are people like with I thought it was great. Everyone thinks it's great. It's got like 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But I think there are people like who this movie will really connect with and like it will be like an all timer for them. And I think that's cool. I, well, I, yeah, and I haven't. It's been a while. I th- I, I'm sure. I'm, I'm. I'm sorry. And I'm omitting a couple of really good examples from recent memory. But like the last romantic comedy that was just like a, a like a just a sort of you know normal in the sense that it wasn't like it's not like a sci-fi crossover right. or something like just romantic comedy or even just kind of com- I don't know like an adult comedy that's not like a sci-fi parody or something. I just thought I just haven't seen a movie quite like this genre um done this well in, in a while it also doesn't have uh i mean we know kumail but it doesn't have and i think if you listen to the show you know kumail from silicon valley and his comedy and his podcast and like all that like people know who kumail is but he doesn't have like a world famous personality to trade on in the way that like george clooney does like when george like when george clooney shows up in a movie you're like i know what this character is like he's like yeah. george clooney or like when chris pratt shows up like they kind of bring their own personality into it a little and like it does some of the work for you but in this movie, like, you don't know who Kumail is. You don't know who Emily is. And, like, so it, it, it feels a little fresher in that way. Like, uh, they're not – well, now they're movie stars. But when you start watching – like, Kumail's now a movie star. But when you started watching the movie, he's not a movie star. And yeah. um, I thought that made it cool. I want to see a sequel. Here's my idea for a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Kumail and Emily in the movie make – the Whoa. big sick, yeah. Meta. It's like, they, yeah, yeah. They're making the first movie. That's Dude, the movie I want to see. You got it on. Unlo- you got it recorded here. You got it on lock. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the thing I started saying earlier is that I, it's cool. The other thing that's cool about this movie is like I think uh, you and I and our friends and many of these listeners uh, we're always going to see it because we love Kumail. But it's really broken through to the mainstream, and I was surprised and delighted that my mom, who does not go see Baby Driver with my father, my mom was like, hey, all my friends heard about this movie, tell me about the movie, this, The Big Sick. Is this good? Should I go see The Big Sick? And I was like, yeah, it's real. And I, yeah. you know, I told her she should see it. And I don't think she's seen it yet, but like she she will. And it's cool. Like It, it like reached... I always give my mom, whom I love, episode, you guys may remember episode 100, um, but I always use my mom as like if my mom is talking about it, it's like broken through to another level of pop yeah, cultural totally. awareness. Well, you you know? are, yeah, we, I think that means I mean we're like weird, damaged people who just see every single movie and care way too much about this stuff. If yeah. your parents like it, that means like it's just broken through to like the I don't know. To it's just it. I, I mean, so much more to me if just uh, my my parents are touched by a movie than because uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm an emotional sponge and. Right. I'm, easy, I'm very easily affected by these things. My dad, I think it needs to be a, a certain level of goodness, too. It's also a movie also really incredible that it's a summer release and is probably one of the more talked about summer movies, which, yeah. is, you know, it's there's a lot of noise in the summer. I feel it's like hard it to might kind be the like, hit indie movie of the summer, maybe? Uh, probably. Um, 
So Valerian's technically an indie movie, Jeff. <laughs> it's a two hundred million dollar indie movie. Um, I, so this is an easy one. I would recommend it basically to anyone. It's not for kids, not because it's like dirty or anything, just because they think it's boring. Yeah, because there's no mo- monsters or anything. But like, if you're a grown up and have feelings, I think you would enjoy the big sick. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's really for everyone. Even a teen, even a teen, even like a cool teen, I could see it being like a cool, like smart, edgy teen. I could see them really like. Yeah, this yeah, movie, yeah. Just like know. it's not a family movie i would say but like virtually mm-hmm. anyone who is like a, an adult and experienced emotions would enjoy it agreed um so actually i want to pause the movies here briefly i just mentioned the hundredth episode of this podcast that i did with my mother um this is actually episode 199 of this podcast Whoa. if you look at the uh podcast feed there's a few more than that because we've done some other special things over the years but by my count this is episode 199 which means next week is episode 200, and back when I did the five-year anniversary special a year and a half ago, maybe, a year ago, I was like, I'm not going to do anything for the 200th episode. That's still mostly true, um, but what I am going to do, and what I'm going to take a moment to hype right here, is uh, the 200th episode coming out in two weeks is going to be something I've never done, which is a clip show. I'm going to do like uh, my, some of my favorite interviews and some of my favorite questions and answers from some of my favorite interviews. So like a few minutes... Um, from some of my favorite episodes from over the past few years. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not only so you'll hopefully be excited and listen to it, but also because I'd love to hear from you guys uh, some of your favorite moments from the show over the years, some of your favorite guests over the years. Uh, if you want to tweet me or Facebook message me or email me, my email address is at Right, some of your favorite guests. Com. Like, could be anyone. Suggest <laughs> anyone you want. Could be like, I don't know, just someone who's known Jeff for like forever. And I don't know. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Well, yeah, whatever, you know. Uh, so... I probably, I think it's going to be more question and answer based because that's like a little easier to excerpt. So I don't know that you'll be hearing Pat, even though he's been on, you know, on at least he's, at least two or three hey, episodes here. Hey, you could ask me some questions. We're doing this episode. This could this qualify. Ask me some questions. I'll be on there. Um, so that's in two weeks. Episode 200 of the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin show. And I'd love if you would be a part of it by sending me suggestions for things you want to hear um, and you think other people should hear when we do it. Okay, moving on. Uh, the other kind of indie movie that got some notice this summer that both of us saw, uh, I believe separately, was It Comes at Night. Oh, yeah. It Comes at Night. Um, this is a movie that I don't know that everyone has is familiar with. You want to maybe set up with the Cispat? Yeah, it is a, um, I guess, ostensibly like a sci-fi thriller, but a very, like, very like grounded no, sci-fi mostly thriller. thriller. Mostly thriller. Yeah, mostly thriller. With like uh, sort of, set yeah. during a... It's funny because everyone thought it was like a monster movie when it was coming out, but the basically... marketing was very misleading. Is this spo- is this a spoiler to say what it actually is about? No, I, don't I think, think so because it's the plot of the movie. It's the premise, yeah. It is set, I guess, uh, amid a some kind of loosely defined viral epidemic, and it's in this one household with a mother and father and son and it's about the father kind of the family kind of trying to protect each other um in this like bunker down in this one household and then another family kind of gets involved and they sort of peacefully coexist but then things kind of get weird and that's kind of all I'll say specifically i mean i'm sure we could talk yeah. about it but yeah that's kind of it it's sort of just like a gritty i'm trying to think of a good comparison but it's sort of a, a gritty thriller about yeah. a virus you know um the dissolve my Long, my lamented lost website yeah. uh, that used to do movie reviews. They have a podcast, and on that podcast, they talk about a recent release and compare it to an old release. I really enjoy it. It's called the next Your Next Picture Show yeah. or The Next Picture Show or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, the Last Picture? God, I should know what it's called. Anyway, um, they did an episode about It Comes at Night, and the movie they compared it to for like over the length of an entire episode was The Thing, John Carpenter specifically, The Thing. Oh, that's cool. Um, 
though that is a little misleading because it has sort of that paranoia and tension of the thing. But the thing also has like the crazy monster effects. Like that is yes. nowhere near. And the reason that's a little. Uh, the I, thing I, had I, like no no special effects or no actual monsters and just the virus it'd be like right that, yeah. right right so the reason i keep harping on that uh that there's no monsters is because the mark and i said this already but the marketing was extremely misleading mm-hmm. like the trailer makes it look like a monster movie. even the name the title makes yeah. it sound like a monster movie and it straight up is not and i actually did not enjoy this was not like minute to minute i was enjoying it like i was in it i was um i felt tense and like at the edge of my seat for a lot of it but then at the end i kind of was like what like it's obviously well written, yeah. well directed, well acted. It's like good. Like they checks all the boxes. And yet at the end I was like, why of all the movies you could make, like why did they make this like what is this about? Like what was I supposed to take away from this? Like I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really I found at the end it left me a little wanting, you know? It's like um, I, I hear you. I ha- I I I'd I probably I probably liked it I probably on the other end, I think I liked it. Yeah. I I leaned towards I liked it. Um It is it's definitely. I mean, it could. It's. It's also just straight very depressing. Like you don't have to explain why you didn't love it. Right. Like it's. 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 A, you walk out and it's like you are not in a good mood. I think. Yeah. Which is. Uh, which is. I think it's intention. I wonder if that marketing uh, just set my expectations wrong, and then when I like that, that um, spoiled my experience a little bit. I think that's a part of it. Is this the same director who made? Um, I don't know the answer, but Midnight Express, Midnight Special, and. I think it might be because Joel Egerton is kind of his like guy. Um, he did a, a th- or maybe um, there was also a movie called um, His name is Take Tr- Shelter. Trey Edward Schultz, and he directed It Comes at Night and Krisha, which I've heard is quite good. That's it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm mistaken. It's funny though. Um, there's this um, director Joel Egerton was also in this movie called Midnight Special, and there's some other. That's one director whose name escapes me, but the Midnight Special was kind of a, a, a little mini hit or where you know indie kind of thing. But it's the same kind of genre. There's like the genre of like indie indie genre films, indie sci-fi films. I think that have like you know even like you know uh, safety not guaranteed. And those directors mm-hmm. went on to art to direct some other bigger stuff. But like um, I I don't know. It's just it's kind of a soft. I, I like those kinds of movies, so I have a soft spot for it already. Um, even though this is a different director, but it kind of just felt like that. I love Joel Egerton. Um, I don't know. I, I just like seeing how people would like wait out viral epidemics it's so specific yeah but, but no it's totally and also it had a lot of artistry to it too like it was some freaking weirdness in it yeah it's like it's it's this is another one that was in my mind when i was when i came with this recommendation system because like it's clearly a well-made movie yeah. like i think the performances are all great i think joel edgerton's great um the guy who i thought was kit harrington the whole movie was great and the uh um, kit harrington was in it? you thought the husband the the husband yeah the non Joel Hedgerton husband was Kit Harrington oh, interesting and then I watched um, it was not him but you thought it was him I thought it was him and then I watched uh, the the tennis Andy Samberg movie that Kit Harrington is in yeah. like that weekend and I thought Kit Harrington was the guy I saw in the movie and not Kit Harrington oh my goodness I'm having a lot of trouble with those two I gotta see if side by side I don't remember. no one has no one has. Uh, I've mentioned this to a few people and everyone's like yeah you're crazy they look nothing alike <laughs> so that might be just me I met him some Game of Thrones is very confusing for you um, but yeah oh and I want to say the kid I thought the kid was a really good actor too who I don't know who like you know just sort of some um, totally uh, some, he, 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 has a, he carries a lot of weight in the movie there were too. certain uh, there were it, it does, there were certain avenues that did not go down that I was kind of a little disappointed but like, that's the movie I guess but for example I was on board. Okay, this is not a monster movie. I'm totally fine with that. 
Um, <laughs> as I say, every movie that's not a monster movie, within 20 minutes, I have to tell myself that. Yeah. Um, even The Big Sick, I was like, this is not a monster movie. That's fine. Um, but there is this thing in the middle, like maybe a third or halfway through the movie or a third when the two families are living together, they kind of established that maybe there's going to be some sort of sexual tension in yeah. the household. And that I was like, okay, that's I, that just was so unexpected and it seemed like so plausible in that kind of scenario. And I was like, this is great. I'm, I like, I want to see this like domestic kind of drama play out. And it doesn't, it kind of goes in a more traditional viral epidemic, you know, movie ways. Um, so yeah, you know, here's what I'll say. I, I really did think this movie, I, I did like this movie. However, I cannot think of a single person I would recommend it to. <laughs> There's definitely people who like this. Like, it's a well-liked movie, and someone likes it. I'm not sure why. I, I actually think it's oh, for people who actually li- Okay, what were you guys? What el- another movie kind of reminds me of, um, even though, again, there's plots are very different, is The Witch, which I oh, really like. Oh, yeah, it reminds me a lot of The Witch, which I did not like. Both in You didn't like The Witch? I did not like The Witch. Oh, man, I think The Witch is dope. But anyway, but, you know, like, they're it both set like the in, they're both kind of, like, isolated households, a lot of tension in the household. They're kind of like mumblecore horror movies in a oh, way. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, you bet you come up with a much better description than I've been, I've been mumbling about. Yeah, well, yeah, they're both a little, like, they're, they're horror movies, but they're not, they don't have, like, the traditional thrills mm-hmm. of a horror movie, I would say. It's more about the dread. Dread is a great, yeah, Dread is very, it's sort of that, you know what it is? It's almost like that movie, um, I never think of work. It's, what's that genre that Guillermo del Toro did an homage to? The, like, like Victorian horror? Yeah. What is that movie? I can never remember what that movie's called. Crimson something. Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. I remember in the, in the rollout to that, Guillermo del Toro was talking about, oh, this is a, I can't, there's a specific name, like a romantic horror uh, that is a little less about ghouls and goblins and yeah, more about the Dread. I can't. It's like Edgar Allan Poe type stuff. Anyway, I was an English major, and I yeah, I don't know any of this crap, so I wasted my money. Uh, let's move on to another movie about a viral outbreak. This one is War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, it was released July 14th. Um, oh, this is good. I have thoughts about this one. This well, is exciting. What are your thoughts? So... I think it's. I think I liked it a little bit less than most people. I know it has very high good too, reviews, yeah. but I was a little disappointed. I don't need to like set the movie. The movies everyone knows what this movie's about, right? It's yeah. The, I don't think. I, I think the name is a misnomer. Another mis. That maybe that's the theme. There's no war in this movie. It's like a prison escape movie. Granted, it's a prison escape movie starring a bunch of chimpanzees, yeah. which is kind of awesome. But I think I. One of my favorite themes of the Planet of the Apes franchise, and going back to the original one, is the sort of like global kind of scale of it. You know, mm-hmm. even though even if, even when it's about a couple of characters trying to escape or whatever, there's always this sense of like, and I feel like in these prequels especially, they've really been they've really been moving towards a sort of global war, and that's and this movie I just think didn't really have that much of that until there's some stuff at the end, but it felt very like kind of forced to me. It was just like the Great Escape, but with chimps i liked it i liked it less than the other planet of the apes movies which is not a problem i love the other planet of the apes movies um the i'm talking of the modern trilogy i'm not extraordinarily familiar with the old ones um so i liked it all the new ones i like this one i probably liked it a little less than the others i think some of that is like the thematic stuff the them like i don't know like uh i'm i, I guess it's a little spoil i don't want to get into the you know, we. I'll, I'll, I won't say it. I'm, I'm, I'm debating, but it feels a little spoilery. I'll just say thematically, it didn't resonate with me as much. But here's what. But I, I made some notes as I did for all these movies, and my notes for this movie, I was like, is here's what I wrote: Is this the best trilogy of summer movies ever? And then I wrote, is Caesar the best character ever? And then I wrote, are these the b- best effects ever? And I think you could make a pretty strong case for all those questions. And yeah. I was like, damn, these Planet of the Eight movies are fucking good. Like, even though this one isn't, I didn't like it quite as much, it's good. It's very good. 
and the three of them together, and it, I think it's uh, the three of them together are a little more than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. Like as on its own, I would say, even though I wasn't maybe over the moon about it, but I thought it was a great uh, piece of this trilogy that we've been watching. Like it didn't let me down. I would say, and I love those other. Yeah, two, me neither. Know? I think I went into it with just a very certain set of very large ex- expectations and a certain set of. I I think I was just expecting a war movie, and I got yeah. something slightly different, which is like. I sh- just because I mean I'm not even being sarcastic here. Just because the word war was in the title didn't necessarily mean I should have expected like you know Saving Private Ryan with chimpanzees. But as I say that, come on, wouldn't that be awesome? So, That's the second one I guess had more of that than this one. To be honest, can I put those questions to you though? Like, do you th- can you think of a trilogy of like big special effects movies that are all as like in the, the, the average of quality? I mean, Star the original Star Wars trilogy, uh, obviously. Yeah. Well, all right. What about in the past like 25 years? Yeah, uh, like, the, the average quality is as high as it is over these Planet of the Apes movies. Ah, that's a good question. I mean, not off the top of my head, especially just only if only because most trilogies are just sort of like three sequel, just two a movie and then it's two sequels. This one feels more coherent, which yeah. is good. Yeah, I'm drawing all three that, of them are different good, too, which is cool. You know, that, like yeah. one is different than two is different than three, which I like a lot. Um, I mean, what's amazing? Def- the special effects, I would say, almost certainly, yeah, because like, they're not like they're maybe not the most. I mean, I, no, it's incredible. How do you like rank? Is like this is more impressive than like Optimus Prime destroying a building? Like they all look good and realistic or whatever. This was but here fr- they're yeah. like they're used effectively. Like the, the apes can make you feel something and cry, which like Optimus Prime can definitely not do. You know, like hey, speak for yourself, man. The scene <laughs> when he sacrifices himself to save Bumblebee in part three is just like, or when he meets Buzz Aldrin, oh. <laughs> So you don't, I teared up. You don't know. Uh, I mean, like, you don't think of them as special effects as you're watching the movie. Like, it's only after the movie. I also like, just you thought of Optimus Prime crying. It's, it's what, windshield white wop, windshield wiper <laughs> coming up. Sorry. Um, a, little, a little wiper on his eye. Uh, that's, that's adorable. Uh, you know, and this was the first time, and I think I was being a bit of a... Since the first one, since uh, the James Franco... What's the first one called? Whatever it's called. Rise of? Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Since that movie, I think immediately there was a lot of, like chatter on the internet and just like should um andy circus qualify for a best best at you know an oscar for that performance since it's, it's a great performance but it's also revolves around mocap like yada yada i think i was sort of curmudgeonly purish and i was like no like obviously he's amazing but like it's still like not the same as like an act and i think parts of that true but this this one i think i kind of came around and i'm like it's so good and yeah. so obviously like andy circus is a part of it i would say if he doesn't get if he, they don't want to let him qualify for best actor, then he should be allowed. He should be part of the special effects team and get that Oscar, right? Because if he's certainly part of the special effects team, like he's as important as any programmer, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think Caesar. Like I said, I think Caesar might be one of the best, strongest characters, and like certainly in these summer movies. Yeah. Like, uh, and oh, and you must be happy because I remember. I think last summer. Or the last, whenever we were discussed the last movie, you, you're, I think you cited as the best performance of the summer, was, Koba. Yeah, that's true. And Koba yeah. kind of comes back in this a little Just bit. Just a little. A little bit, like in, it's in, in a very unique way, but yeah. he's definitely in it. And like the Koba, the Koba mythos is like looms strong in this movie. I mean, all of them are. Maurice, uh, who is the, I guess, I guess I don't know what kind of monkey he's in. It's funny, like only watching them over. I've watched them all twice now, except this new one. I watched the first two twice, I guess. And like you see that, like some of the side monkeys that you don't pay attention to the first time, like are in the whole thing, like mm-hmm. Ro- like Rocket and Maurice. And now I know all their names, and um, which is it's incredible. I, you know the name of like Maurice more than like some of the characters Lorelei. from some of the other movies. Lorelai yeah, yeah, like, yeah. took us a while to get to, right? Like Maurice is a great character. Caesar's such a good character. Like when you Maurice, think about what happens yeah. to Caesar over the three movies, like it's all of a piece. You can see like. It's not like, oh, now he's a war hero or, like, whatever. Like, you can see the evolution. It's, like, very logical, and it's very epic. Like, if you think of his arc, it's 
quite grand, and it's really it's uh, it's great. So I would recommend this movie. I would recommend this movie to anyone who enjoyed and watched the first two, and I recommend most people watch the first two. So I guess I didn't love this one on its own, but I did like it as a completion of this trilogy that I really mm-hmm. enjoy. I mean, there's a certain. I think when I watched that movie, you know, again, I, I, I'm 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 praising the movie here. Uh, there are moments in that movie where it's almost like you you kind of have this like self actualization, like it happens once or twice every time I watch one of these movies. Any three of them is like. You're like, I can't believe what I'm watching right now. It's like, on it sounds so ridiculous, and they make it work so well. Like, I'm yeah. seeing a bunch of like, very like authentic looking, you know, apes, not just straight up apes riding horses and firing machine guns, etc. And it just, it really shouldn't work. And it's, it's so just so, so it's such a testament that, you know, that it does. Yeah, uh, you know, I really, I mean, it's just that's just good, I guess. Special effects, good, good writing, good whatever, good directing. I hope they keep making these movies. I and I, so I, I did like it. I, I think I just was. Um, I do really love some of the more like apocalyptic. Like even though the, those first, the first couple of the first like five Planet of the Apes movies are all about like nuclear war is a big theme in those movies, and that's just something I really like. And it doesn't have to address those things all the time, and you know it's totally fine. It's nothing, nothing more like viruses and like bioterrorism. It's not terrorism. It's an accident in, in this trilogy, but that mm-hmm. sort of replaced the nuclear war. You know, is there plans for? Are there plans for a fourth one? As far as you know, I or? don't know. Oh. I hope there are. Um, okay, maybe next we should talk about. Uh, there's only one movie on this list that we were like we should talk about, even though neither of us saw it. It is Transformers: yeah. The Last <laughs> Night. We thought we spent five minutes on a movie we didn't see. Um, I think because you, because it is Transformers, it has like it's sort of the unofficial third guest of this uh, podcast series. I mean, it's come I, up in every summer. I think we movie, have such low standards for movies. I saw fucking Valerian opening weekend, and I was planning on it all summer. And we just said a lot of good things about it. So like, I got low standards, but I, I was just like, I'm not going to see this Transformers movie. It's, maybe it's worth mentioning, like the, sort of the big movies that we didn't see this summer are um, Transformers. King Arthur, which no one saw, but like, uh, you know, just in terms of movies we could be right. talking about here. Guy Baywatch. And then the other big one is probably Pirates of the Caribbean, which we were just like, there was one afternoon. Also like, on its fifth installment, like Transformers. There was one afternoon where I had time and I was like, oh, I could go see Pirates. And I was just like, no. <laughs> yeah, I, similarly, when I saw The Mummy, I just, I had to go to the, <laughs> I had to go to the DMV and after I was in Midtown. I finished it, I got out of the DMV and I just had like more time. It was much quicker than I thought because I blocked off like basically my entire yeah, afternoon because yeah. it's the fucking DMV. And I was like, I'm just going to go to this movie theater and see whatever like the next movie that's playing that I haven't seen is. Like I do that sometimes. Um, and I was kind of secretly hoping it'd be Pirates 5 because I do, I mean, I'm slightly interested in that Pirates, movie. Like there's a, Pirates but it was 1 is great. And like the, uh, the Pirates movies are better than the Transformers movies for sure. The problem I don't is, know if Pirates 5 is better than Transformers 5. That's not a battle I'm interested in adjudicating. But I think one issue is that like one reason that we can't even – it's hard to enjoy these even as like a lark is because – and I haven't looked up the actual stats here. But I guarantee I, – I would bet you that both Pirates 5 and Transformers 5 are like – Almost three hours each. Yeah, yeah. And that's just something are, that I think is, like, unforgivable. The other thing that occurred to me when I was thinking about Transformers, like, if I was just going to watch Megatron, like, level a city, I could get behind that. Yeah. I can turn my brain off and enjoy that. But then I remembered that the Transformers movies also have this terrible fucking obsession with being funny. And they're so unfunny. Yeah. Remember the scene in the first one where... I can't believe there's a scene in the Transformers movies. Shia LaBeouf's mom or Shia, someone accidentally eats pot brownies at like a college party. Yeah. And there's like a freak out scene. 
And then I remember in the third one, and I bet we discussed this on the podcast when we saw the third one a few years ago. I mean, we're two movies later, so this must have been a few years ago already. Um, in the third one, there's a scene where Shia LaBeouf is looking for jobs for some reason. Yeah. And, like, he's going, like, on all these job interviews, and there's, like, a montage of all the job interviews, and they're all going poorly. And it's, like, all comedy. It's just, like, it's pure comedy like yeah. it's it's just like a goofy montage and i remember watching it in a crowded theater and it was just like stone cold <laughs> fucking silence like it was just like that, yeah. the crowd was not receptive to it even a little bit it's funny too because you watch those scenes and it's supposed to be like he's just not a comedy director because like he's doing these like goofy scenes but like it's shot like every other shot in the movie like these like you know it's like that epic michael bay style of shooting like even when he's like in the office it's like the windows are all blown out with light and it's all like filtered with like green and orange and stuff like that like i i have a very vivid memory of that sam witwicky <laughs> failed <laughs> there's also you know what's funny though you i did see, did you see transformers 4 i didn't see 4 either i think 3 might have been the last, i think the last one i saw was the one with uh that's the last night right two yeah no no no, no, no. this was this one was the last night i, I don't remember what the last one. one was called i think 1 2 and 3 are just 1 2 and 3 2 is one of the worst like Effect movies, summer movies I've ever seen. You know what's funny though? I did recently. I, some I don't know why. I, I, I guess what I'm learning here is I have my limits. Like I, yeah. you can. I, I thought two was the worst movie ever. I still saw three, but then I was done. Um, I don't know how, whether someone retweeted it or why. Maybe I was on the. I found myself on the Transformers Twitter account, which is bizarre, or maybe whatever, whatever it was. I was on this Twitter account, and the official like Transformers movie Twitter account posted like it was like. Happy Sam Witwicky Day. And I'm like, what the fuck is Sam Witwicky Day? And like in the first movie, this is going back to the first movie, I don't you probably forgotten the, the Witwicky mythos. Like Sam Witwicky's Shia LaBeouf's like great great grandfather, like discovered the original All Spark or something like that. And there's like the date is like it's engraved on like a brass watch or something. Uh. That date is somehow important. And that date is like, oh, this is the date that Sam Whitley's great grandfather found the All Spark or something. Which is like, that's so like no I I have to say I almost respect their like that ten years, five movies later, like they actually still care about the the mythos of Sam Witwicky. I heard they're spinning off Bumblebee into a I've heard movie, that too, yeah. Which is so insane to me because like they're so not characters, you know, like I would rather watch like Rocket the Monkey from Planet of the Apes. Like we were just saying how like those effects like really become characters that you like relate with yeah. and connect with. Like, Bumblebee is not that. Like, they are all just, like, giant car robots, like, completely interchangeable from one another. Yeah. The the last... Another thing I want to say about the new movie... Spin, is that, like, is Bumblebee the first time, like, someone has spun off... I like how we don't even acknowledge that we're blowing through the gong now. Is Bumblebee the first time someone has, like, spun off a special effect? Like, you know, like... Oh, like a character that's not even Like a real. person? But it's, he's, like... I mean, cartoons have spinoffs, but I don't know if, like, you're talking about in a, in a non-animated film. Yeah, you know Because like, there's, like, the Minion spinoff or whatever. It reminds me of, I've never understood, I'm going to go on a rant for a moment here, how <laughs> Launchpad McQuack from DuckTales was, was also on Darkwing Duck. And I, in reading about it, apparently they were, like, developing a Launchpad McQuack spinoff, and then, like, it didn't go anywhere... But then they were like, oh, we'll plug him in a Darkwing Duck. And I was like, he's not like an actor. Like, you don't have him under contract, right? Like, yeah, I just want to say, you can't see this, but when, when Jeff said it didn't go anywhere, there was like a dis- – I, I couldn't help but notice like a real, some seething anger. Like, couldn't go anywhere because those dumb fucks at Disney. No, it's just, it's just funny to treat Launchpad like he's like a real person. It's like, all right, well, we've got we, we've got to use him somehow. Yeah. I mean, and uh, 
The bu- Launchpad is a better character, by the way, than Bumblebee and Transformers. If they are going to continue doing Transformers movies, I do, I do understand. I would think that they do need to like prune. They need, they need to strip away like so much because the movies have gotten very messy with like this weird mythology and like I believe the ending of the new Transformers. I think I read that the ending because like it was notably insane even yeah. for those movies. I think like can I spoil this one? Uh, I know where you're going with this. I think it's allowed. The enti- first of all, the entire Earth is a Transformer. Oh, I, think, I did not know that. <laughs> I think that's part that's of the plot of the third one. The, our Earth is a Transformer. Okay. That's kind of all I remember. But then there's also something with like the, the bad the, the the woman is like a the woman who invented... I don't remember. Do you remember? What, what, what was oh, the other part? I the main thing is the Earth... Ha- is, yeah. I thought you were going to say that Harry and Tubman helped the Transformers, which oh, is the main thing God, I heard that's about right. That. I was also... At work, we were talking, uh, we were talking about this, the Harry <laughs> Tubman thing, which is obviously probably... You know, not the. I love when I love I love retconning history, but I don't think Transformers is the best uh, vessel to right, approach right. Uh, the history of slavery. I am waiting for like I guarantee, like in a couple of years, some like fourth grader when you, in like Black History Month is going to like ask if you could watch Transformers Five and if that will satisfy the requirements. <laughs> um, well, speaking, of, let's talk about let's keep moving with this history theme, sure. uh, rewriting history. I want to talk about uh, the biggest movie of the summer, at least in the U.S., I believe, which was Wonder Woman. Uh, which you did not see. I did right? not. I, which is, I'm embarrassed to say. I feel. I really. I've heard it's great. You know what's funny is I, I see all these see superhero movies like generally opening weekend, and I couldn't see Wonder Woman opening weekend because I was traveling and like I was just like hearing about it for a week, and I felt like a real misogynist asshole like having not seen Wonder Woman just because I'm so diligent about seeing even the worst right. movie, and like I hadn't seen that one. So it, I'm less diligent about seeing all com. I, there's a lot of comic movies I haven't seen, so it's, yeah. it's more of just my general uh, not being a good a disciplined. Uh, comic book movie uh, viewer. I mean, the main thing I thought when I left this movie was just how fucking stupid Marvel sounds and, like, just, like, the past ten years of conversation about, like, oh, could there be a female superhero movie? Like, should there be one? Like, will people see it? Like, just, like, however long that conversation's been going, probably, let's say, I mean, much longer than ten years, but certainly since, like, Marvel's been a thing. Uh, It just, like... It made it look... I, I'm not saying it was easy. Like, I, you know, I think it's a well-made movie and they make it look easy, but it's just like... It made the whole conversation look so stupid, yeah, you know? Like, absolutely. obviously, it's like, yeah, it's good. It's like, as it's... It's clearly good. Like, it, it, I mean, it's so... I mean, again, having not seen it, but just based on the reaction, it seems to have been so good that, like... It like <laughs> it overcame the like DC universe curse. Like yeah. you have to be such a good movie to like break out of how bad all of those previous DC movies have been. You know, like I have there has there been another one that's not bad? No, no. not obviously not including the Chris Nolan ones. Yeah, though those are different. There was a great headline on Reductress, which is a great website. So it, had, it really had an uphill battle, yeah, and yeah. still, managed, so it's really impressive that it managed to be so great. Um, Reductress, which is the great, um, like, kind of feminism themed oniony site. I had um, one of the editors on the podcast a few months ago, a year ago, maybe. Um, they had a great, great headline after this movie came out, and it was like, "Hooray! Wonder Woman is good, and women are allowed to keep being superheroes." Or like, women are <laughs> now women are allowed to keep making movies. So it's like, like the idea that if this wasn't if this wasn't good, which it was, but if it wasn't good, like. Then like we would be like oh see doesn't work you right. know like, meanwhile you can have like seven bad Batman or seven bad you know Justice League movies I, and yeah, this no was, one gives a shit <laughs> it's funny this was good I still think Justice League looked bad looks bad even though but like this was like sort of the win the well, DC. she's gonna be in Justice League yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's fun it's like definitely gives some balance to Justice League like now. I was kind of if I got to admit I was thinking about not seeing Justice League just because I've so thoroughly unenjoyed the DC movies thus far. But now, like now, I'm going to go see it. I what makes it actually? It's a good question. 
because it's still in the DC universe. Yeah. It's like, what makes it I'm good? sure it's some of the same producers and stuff. What makes what makes it so? What makes it good? That what does it have that? Suicide yeah. Squad. You know, it's funny. Batman, the ba- Batman and Robin, or Batman versus Superman, does not have those, or so does it do that that other one doesn't do? A lot of these DC movies are like the Marvel movies are very fun and funny and light on their feet, like really light on their feet. You know, like they're yeah. they, they're so easy to watch. Um, these DC movies, on the other hand, are like very like concerned about like responsibility and like these like there's like these gods and like. Uh, you know they're trying to fit into humanity like they're just like more they're just less fun but this one was really fun uh, in large part because Gal Gadot is so good and she's so she's been on this mysterious island her whole life and then she like enters World War One, and so she's kind of like a fish out of water and they get a lot of like Thor sort of, the first Thor yeah. has some of that which is great yeah 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 but it's it's a little different and it's good like the comedy's never that like oh, look how dumb she is. Like, she doesn't know what a car is or whatever. Yeah. Like, she's not the butt of the joke. Like, the joke is almost that, like... The joke's actually on humanity, you know? Like, the joke is that, like, she's pointing out all of the, like, dumb things that... Or, you know, like, she's, like... You know, she's seeing us for the first time. Sure, like, sure, sure, sure. And it's funny, and there's just... There's good jokes. There's a lot of fun stuff. Like, she sees ice cream for the first time. She's, like, a baby for the first time. And, like, these are, like, nice, fun moments. Very and it's cool. just like fun. It's actually fun, which is like the main thing I guess you want out of these movies. And um, absolutely, yeah. you know, and just because there hasn't been one uh, starring a woman for whatever stupid reason, um, they get a lot out of that. You know, like it's a, it makes it a lot fresher than like um, Spider Man, even which I also thought was good. And we can talk about in a minute, but like um, I don't know. That gives it like there's so many superhero movies now, like. Uh, having a female protagonist is like a pretty good way to like be different than the thousand other superhero movies we've all seen. I love the, the director, uh, Patty, Patty Jenkins, Jenkins yeah. made Monster. I think that's her last movie, right? I don't, yeah. I don't think she's made. Maybe she's directed television, but I haven't. But I loved Monster, and I, I definitely think that. You know, I was gonna say like I think that's such a. I think hiring taking a slight risk or hiring a, 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 a just in the sense that someone who hasn't done like a multi million dollar yeah. movie like this before. Um, but then they hired the guy. The Suicide Squad director is, all, is, a, is, a, is a good director, right? Like, it's not always yeah. direct, having a great director doesn't always. But I do think that matters. That can matter a lot. Like some of the like getting you know John yeah. Fowler. I don't John. I don't, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like you know like I don't know, experimenting with different directors. I think could be really fun sometimes. And I'm glad they did that because I love her. It was going to be Michelle McLaren. Remember that would have yeah. been awesome. Suicide well. Squad has a weird has a lot going on where like they want you know the Joker's in it for like no good reason other than the Joker's popular and like. Batman's in it just because, like, they're trying to build this universe. Whereas, like, Wonder Woman is just a Wonder Woman movie. Like, they just made a good old Wonder Woman movie. Right, like, Suicide Squad, important. like, was sort of, I think, maybe flawed in its concept. And, like, just bringing it all together. Like, it was always going to be a tricky thing to bring together, whereas Wonder Woman uh, was good. I would recommend it to basically anyone who enjoys superhero movies, maybe even if you don't. And um, I actually want to give this the Jeff Rubin pick for movie most likely to be remembered in 20 years, which is an award I like to give out every summer. Uh, I think people are going to talk about this movie forever, basically. I think a lot of people love it. And, like, you're like, I mean, Wonder Woman's been around for 75 years or 100. I think, actually, we just passed Wonder Woman. I think the other day was, like, the 75th anniversary of Wonder Woman number one. So she's about that old. Uh, not to I'm going to say, I'm gonna age, say the one we're going to talk about is, is Transformers, but only because they'll still be making them in 50 years. <laughs> she, uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like one, this really solidifies Wonder Woman. I mean, she's always been like a classic American character, but like, I don't know. I feel like this really solidifies her in pop culture in a way. Will they that ever let the, will the Marvel movies ever meet the 
like would, can Wonder Woman ever question. be in the Avengers? Like they've done it in comic books, right? Like, that's why I ask. Rarely, like once every 10, 15 years or so, like Marvel and DC will do a joint thing with like Spider Man and Superman. It like could happen some enough time. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like probably it, it, that's probably how you know the superhero movies are over. I bet they do it before in our lifetimes. Like I bet they make like a Spider Man. Sure. Like I don't know who the other character will be movie, but um, let's say Spider Man meets uh, the Batman or something. Batman, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think they would probably, I mean, the thing to look for, I guess, I mean, so you have Spider-Man, who is like a different, we should talk about Spider-Man because we've talked about it a lot. Uh, why don't I just switch it over? Why don't I just, uh, good let's just start talking good about Good thematic, good thematic jump. So Spider-Man, I forgot what I was going to say about it. Well, now we're talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming. I forgot what the, next the, movie. the point I was going to make about it, though. But we're talking about crossovers. Oh, just that it's another studio. So this is the thing about Spider-Man. So when was like, why would I go see another Spider-Man movie? And I was like, here's the pitch. It's a high school movie, which um, the first Tobey Maguire one was, but like Tobey Maguire and like Kirsten Dunst are like 35, you know, like every person in this movie is like actually a teen. I think there's like one scene in high school and then it's pretty much just Green Goblinville. Yeah. This, this is, one's mostly in the high school. This is like a real high school movie. And then the other selling point is that this is the first time that he gets to hang out with Iron Man and all these other characters from like the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. that we've all um, enjoyed. I think I already said it. This movie's good. It's funny. It's funny as hell. I actually thought it was a really funny. I loved funny. it. Yeah, I thought it was particularly I, funny, um, even compared to other Marvel movies. Um, I think that, I mean the action scenes were good too, but I think the, the the sense of the humor was by far the biggest selling point because it was that funny. I want to talk. I mean, the I really enjoyed a lot of the casting. I mean, first of all, uh, what's his name? Spider Man, Tom something. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Great. I like want this dude to be Spider Man like for the next thirty years. Like mm-hmm. I'm into the Spider Man product they're putting together, and like I could watch this guy be Peter Parker for a very long time. Yeah. Um, but I also thought his sidekick, Ned, who is not a character I'm really... I think he's a pastiche of a few characters made from um, Ultimate Spider-Man 2. Not really familiar with. I thought that was a really fun character. I mean, that's I like a class... He, he even calls... He like... Um, guy in the chair. Yeah, yeah, he like puts a hat on in the movie. He like calls out that he's the side. He's the funny chair sidekick. And yeah. he's great. But he's great at it. Um, I also His first audition, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean... Not his first role, but I think his first audition. Per- he's perfect. Um, I thought Marissa Tomei as Aunt May was really good. And I was like, huh... Why is Aunt May usually, like, decrepitly old? Like, that's not how your mom's sister usually works. Like, she's only she should only be, like, one generation Oh, up. that's a good point. And I was like, yeah, you know what? She could be... Uh, is that the comic? Do the comics... Yeah, I think yeah. traditionally, if you close your eyes and imagine... I mean, she's been done a million ways, but, like, I think if you close your eyes and imagine Aunt May, you think of an old lady. And, like... Yeah. But if you think of Peter Parker, you think of a young dude. It doesn't make sense that a young dude's mother's sister would be so old. Um, and I never really thought about that before. So I, I love Marissa. I mean, I've been, I've been a Tomei fan since my cousin Vinny. So this, I was on board 100%. The other one I really wanted to call out was um, the kid from Grand Budapest Hotel who plays Flash, the bully. So Flash traditionally is depicted as like a bully with like a varsity jacket. Yeah. This is in the first, he, he like the guy who like knocks the tray out of Tobey Maguire's hand in the first Peter, in the first Spider-Man. Uh, in this one, they kind of reimagined him as like kind of like an alpha nerd bully who like yeah. might bully someone over social rich, media I think or something. Rich and preppy. Yeah, yeah, and I really like that take on the character. There's that one line where it's like, uh, it's like before Spider-Man steals his car, something like, you know, Spider-Man is going to, like, ruin this kid's date just by virtue of fighting a villain. And it's like, the, he's in the car with the date, and, like, he's complaining about, like, the restaurant. He's like, I'm sorry I made a scene, but, like, that's not how faux gras is made or something <laughs> like that. This thing, it was just so specific and out of the, out of blue, uh, you know, out of the blue. And just, like, of all the lines it could have been, it was just really, really made me laugh. There's so many, like, in, I can think of so many memorable jokes in that movie. Um, I also really liked the... Okay, two things I'll say. One, I love the whole theme of, like, 
and it has a has a unity of theme. I think was really important about how like the about the little guy. You know, mm-hmm. the vulture is his whole origin is that he gets screwed over by the Avengers or whatever because he's just like a scrap guy and he gets you know the vulture is basically a construction worker who. Uh, salvages some of the wreckage from the big alien battle in the Avengers and uses this alien technology to, like, you know, Mm -hmm. sell on the black market or whatever. Um, And that kind of ties in with Spider-Man, like, wanting to be part of the Avengers and be be in the big leagues, but at the end he realized... I don't know. I just really have the idea of... I like like how they're building out the world a little bit, that not everyone has to be in the Avengers. And also just seeing... Like, there's one line where Vulture calls. He's like, you know... The FBI, he's listing off different agencies. Like, you know, the FBI, the CIA, like, those costume freaks in Avengers Tower. Like, just citing them as another law enforcement department was like, oh, yeah, I guess. I just like seeing, it's cool to see the the world that the Avengers live in from the outside. That that was one aspect I really liked. That's cool, and that's also very Spider-Man-y, right? Like, Spider-Man is... Uh, relatively You're, poor and he lives in Queens and like he like hustles you know and like your he, local neighborhood spider right right yeah. right and so that is always been, that's like I, I'm glad that you got that that you got that from a Spider-Man movie is I think a pretty good sign one thing I want to say about this movie so if you go back to the uh, I'm probably going to use the rest of our time on this I have, oh yeah I'm definitely going to we only 20 seconds the original Spider-Man uh, movie with Tobey Maguire uh, he so in the Spider-Man comic books, his web shooters are like a mechanical thing invented by Peter Parker. In the Tobey Maguire movie, they're like a biological thing, like a result of the spider bite. And this is like one of, as the Spider-Man movies, one of the first like really, the first really big comic book movies. This was one of like the first nits that nerds really love to pick of like thing that they change that doesn't really matter, but everyone decided it like yeah, ruined everything. Yeah. Um, is that his web shooters were biological instead of mechanical. Kind of makes sense that, like, in the, the radioactive spider bite would give him the web shooters is a little more, while it's giving him the other powers, is probably a little easier than, like, also he's a genius who invented this incredible thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Then, so in those movies, biological. In Amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield movies, they went back to mechanical because I think they were just, like, looking for ways to make it different than the other one. Yeah. Because, like, there was no reason, right. This one, back to mechanical, but they sort of solved the problem of the kid having invented them by making it something that, like, Tony Stark did. Yeah. Though I guess he invented it a little before Tony Stark. But Tony Stark, like, gives him the suit that, like, yeah. you know. So it sort of solves the wisest kid a genius inventor 2 problem. And they make it a theme of the whole, like, you know, if you can't, if you're nothing without the suit, you don't right. deserve the suit. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's great. But I would say, here's my criticism for this Spider-Man movie. Little heavy on the gizmos. I don't think Spider-Man needs, like, a talking AI he can hang out with. I don't like that, like, the logo is a drone he can send off from his suit. There were a lot of gizmos in there. Pretty gizmo-heavy. Like, I feel like we already got Iron Man in this universe. you you get Stark, you're gonna get some gizmos, you know? I would recommend this to anyone who likes comic book movies, but I would not really recommend it to anyone who doesn't like comic book movies. Like, if you're like, why should I see another Spider-Man movie? You're probably not gonna like this movie. One thing that is interesting about the movie is that and I saw it with someone who had never seen any of the other movies, and she enjoyed it. Um, so I guess it, it still kind of works. But it, I said this: I, I'm kind of, a, I'm sort of, I'm of two minds. Like it is great that um, you know, like you're saying, one reason Wonder Woman. On one hand, I think that like not being too intertwined in, in a larger mythos it can make can be beneficial for a movie because it could just stand on its own. For example, you said one of the reasons Wonder Woman is probably better than. Suicide Squad or the Batman vs Superman is that it doesn't really it's just about Wonder Woman it's not trying to like have its tendrils into a bunch of other other movies and stuff 
So on that, on one hand, I think that does matter. But on the other hand, one reason I did like this movie is because, like, so so much of the groundwork for this movie had been laid by other movies before it. Like the whole, or the first scene of the movie. Like if you haven't seen the Avengers, that scene makes no sense. You're right, like, right. why is that? Why is New York destroyed? Uh, why like, are there alien yeah. rocks everywhere? You know, like. There's a great scene too. I think even before that, where you get uh, but his yeah. view on the event of civil war and the airplane battle, like you get like spider, you get yeah. like, anyway. And so, like on one hand, like I, that could be like limiting to a movie, but on the other hand, it does. It's so fun if you have seen the other movie. So I don't, and I don't. That's I think part of the reason the movie can have so much fun is because all these things. One of the, my favorite jokes in the movie is Hannibal Buress, who plays like gym oh, teacher. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, this is a good joke. Captain yeah. America, he wheels out a TV and like Captain America played, no, the actual Captain America yeah. from the movies is like does this sort of one of those corny like 90s VHS things where it's like, I'm here to like for your physical fitness test with yeah. your gym teacher or whatever. It's very, which Captain America would do. He's very, right, he does all right. these propaganda videos for the, for, you know, America. And then just Hannibal Rest is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this guy's a war criminal now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. referencing the end of Civil War. So he's, which is correct. It's yeah. just so funny. That is fu- Hannibal Rest. I mean, the movie's full of ringers. Martin Starr is really funny. But that's a it. joke that that is a joke whose setup is like three movies ago. Yeah, though I would say you can enjoy this movie. You don't need to have seen the other movies to like appreciate where the alien wreckage came from. It just, but it enhances it if you have. People give the Marvel post-credit sequences shit, and like they, I think people like to be like, oh, it's not movie making or whatever. But, you know, I think of, like, the Dark Universe thing, and I think of the scene in Batman vs. Superman where Wonder Woman literally stares at a laptop and, like, watches trailers for, like, the next four DC movies for three minutes. (laughs) And I think the post-credit scene is, like, a very elegant solution to, like, putting something in there that's just for nerds that would slow down your movie. Uh, It's a way of, like, hinting at the larger world and getting all that stuff without slowing down the movie. And I don't think anyone has invented a better solution, to be honest. Yeah, I don't, I'm 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 on board for. I don't have a beef with them really. Um, okay, we have I believe four movies left to talk about. Let me maybe lay them out for you, and you can pick which one we go next. I believe here's here's the rest of the day. We got Dunkirk, uh, Oakja, mm-hmm. we got uh, Guardians Two, mm-hmm. and Alien Covenant. Maybe let's do Alien Covenant. How about I, I, I haven't see. seen Alien Covenant, but I, we could talk about that next. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Alien Covenant. Um, or should we have Guardians and to continue? Do the superhero theme? Yeah. All right, let's do Guardians. So Guardians is a movie that came out May 5th, according to Guardians of notes. the Galaxy Volume 2. Right, which is, um, what, three months ago. So it's interesting. This is like a little further in the rearview mirror. Yeah. So it's like a little... It feels like it's been a while. It does feel like it's been Long a while. Summer. So I guess the question is, like, what do I remember from it? I, as has been firmly established, have a extremely high tolerance for comic movies, especially these Marvel movies. Uh, but you are you've got, you're a little more on balance and a little more realistic. What, so I obviously like this one. But what did you think? No, I I, I also like that again. Very funny, um, which is interesting. I, I like this movie a lot. I thought it was and but the, again the comedy of it was such a large part of the reason I liked it. Um, our friend Owen actually had an interesting. I think I might have seen it with him. I can't remember, but whatever. No, I saw it with you. Whatever. I don't recall, anyway. Owen Parsons, who I also saw it with. Freebin, Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin, I guess. Who had, had an interesting like note. He was like, yeah, it's like after Iron Man, they just realized, like, oh, we should make... After they made Iron Man, and that was a huge hit, but it was also very much fueled by Robert Downey Jr.'s, like, you know, persona. sense of humor and persona. They were like, oh, we should just like, make all movies. Like, like, we should try and do this for all of our movies. Like, make yeah. them very funny and enjoyable. As you as you noted, that's one of the reasons the Marvel movies are so strong. Um, and I think this one is has the same, like... Or, or maybe Guardians. 
anyway, the idea is just, I don't know, the, the comedy is so in, in, important to all yeah. of these comic movies, and this is a great example of that. You know what made me really appreciate this movie is Valerian, because you watch a Guardians movie, and again, they make it look easy. You're like, oh yeah, you just get some actors and some special effects, and they're in space yeah. or whatever. But Guardians is funny, and Valerian is not. You know, like, the actors in Guardians are real easy to hang out with and spend time yeah. with, and like, it's just not the case with Valerian, and it makes you appreciate all the things that Guardians is doing uh, beyond the crazy special effects and, like, how yeah. effective those are. It's funny. I think after I saw Valerian, I mentioned, like, obvious, yeah, structural. There's a lot of similarities between Valerian and Guardians. They're yeah. both, like, roguish space adventures. Right. A lot of really out there imagery, even for sci-fi. And I think part of the fun is that, like, you can... You can meet an alien and at any moment that would look crazy and might have some crazy behavior. Like, you're always ready to, like, meet some fantastic new alien. Or and I love that. Like, I mean, one criticism that I didn't – one friend of mine had about Valerian that I actually didn't agree with was that, like, oh, like, he like he just used that freeze ray on that guy or that dart that, like, let him – which is awesome. The dart that let him control the L1 alien. Like, they never established those, which I – I normally for a movie like a less dense movie i understand but like i don't need you to like show me the weird scene where he shows all the gizmos and stuff yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like you could to- for a movie like valerian or guardians you just keep yeah, you want to show and not tell exactly exactly yeah um so when i think back at this movie and like what do i remember about this movie guardians 2 yeah it's interesting that, that there's like um uh, there's so many Marvel movies now that it really is kind of hard to get excited about any individual one. Like, I still go see all of them opening night, but there's just so many of them, and they're all about as good as each other, mm-hmm. you know, which is very good. They're all funny. So it's like, I, I don't know. I actually have difficulty, like, getting excited. I don't know if it's fatigue, because, like, I'm still excited to go see each one. I'm, like, I'm still excited about the overall thing. Yeah. But it's hard, like, I don't know, thinking back on it, it's hard to, like, really remember um, specific things about this movie that, like, I'm like that were in, in Spider Man or weren't in Doctor Strange or whatever. Um, I guess what I really remember about this one is um, Kurt Russell, who is great and really good in this movie, and like mm-hmm. a pretty interesting Kurt Russell role. I love Kurt Russell, and uh, also Michael Rooker, who I love, who was in the first one. He plays yeah. Yondu, who's like the guy with the mohawk, who is I think actually like the original one of the original um, Guardians of the Galaxy in the. Um, in the original uh, the movie? Incar- no, in the original oh. incarnation of them in the comic book. Like, in the comic book, the original Guardians of the Galaxy are not Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon oh, and, and so forth. It's actually um, um, Yondu, and then I don't know the other people, but they're the people hanging out with uh, Sylvester Stallone in this movie. Oh, yeah, Sylvester Stallone. St- I would say, here's a note for the Mar- for Kevin Feige and Marvel- <laughs> at Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is the, the Stallone thing is actually the first time one of these Marvel movies where I felt like the I felt the movie come to a grinding halt to like set up a future movie or some spinoff or like something not related. Like I think they're actually pretty disciplined about that. And I think people criticize oh, so you, you, it was a bit of a mar for you in the film. Yeah, like it just like was completely disconnected from everything else, you know. And like it's pretty distracting because it's fucking Sylvester Stallone. Anyway, Stallone and the people he's hanging out with in the movie those are actually the original like seventies comic book Guardians of the Galaxy. I think, and I, I you're that's a fair thing about how they utilize Stallone, but I do like him being in the movie, and I do really like how the, like Kurt Russell, Michael Roker, Stallone, like there's this great the creators of that movie and they're, they're really like if you love movies and music from the 70s which you and I both definitely do like it's great that they are they they pay homage to that and it's so influenced by it not just in the soundtrack which is very the soundtrack is obviously very famous but the the casting too like you said Kurt Russell I mean obviously Kurt Russell's you know still kind of famous enough to there's more of the reasons to put him in there than just like nostalgia sure, he's in Fast and Furious too Right, exactly. But at the same time, I, I, I'm sure like part 
they consider casting him as like you know that in that Tarantino way he's a seventies icon. Yeah. I mean, you get as it. is Stallone, as is Michael Roker. Even right. Michael they, Roker was in some cool shit in the seventies and eighties. They de-age. There's a scene very early on where you get the same effect they did on Michael Douglas and Ant Man and Robert Downey Jr. and I guess Civil War, where like you see the '80s version of the actor, yeah, and there's like '80s Kurt Russell in the movie, and you're like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> right. Um, okay, so and I bet there's some. I bet you if you go through the IMDb, there's a couple of like in heavy makeup, some other like, oh, this guy was in like the thing, or this guy was in this movie, or this guy. You know what I'm saying? What do other people? I feel like Michael Rooker is someone that. Uh, you, people might not know, and he's under heavy makeup in that movie. Like, what else would you know him from? He's um, Merle on The Walking Dead. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, Merle on The Walking Dead. Uh, his I think his breakout was Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which is like kind of like a te- it was a seventies. It, like, it was like a basically like a a, a, a slasher movie from the seventies or the eighties, maybe the eighties. He's in Cliffhanger. He's Cliffhanger. Like, he's with like, Stallone. Yeah, you know when he really entered my world is when he he was in Mallrats. He's like um, mm-hmm. yeah, Claire Forlani's too. father in Mallrats, who is memorably stink palmed by a t- <laughs> Brody. <laughs> by Brody. Oh Brody. my god, so epic. Anyway, that's like after that, dude. I we like, I could talk about Mallrats for forty five minutes, and no one would ever watch this podcast again. <laughs> listen to this podcast again. Um, yes. So I guess I kind of have the same recommendation for Guardians that I did for Spider Man, which is like if you like comic movies, you'll like this one. But if you for sure, but if you don't, you might not. And actually, Spider Man's a little easier to recommend. I guess if you're like really into, high, I can imagine like if you're sick of comic book movies, but you really like high school movies, I think there could be something that you might enjoy in Spider Man. Yeah. But uh, this one's really like for comic book movie fans only, which is about seventy five percent of the American population, as far as I can tell, and like <laughs> most of the rest of the world. So that's not that's no also one. a sign that Jeff has above his door. It's like a fun <laughs> thing he bought at Spencer's Gifts uh, for comic book fans and no one else. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I think we're out of comic book movies, unfortunately. So why don't we move on to Alien Covenant, which is a movie only I, three this only three comic movies this summer. That's downright. I know downright are conservative. We, are we missing? Uh, that's interesting. It's probably modern, maybe there's one we're missing. I mean, Thor. Did you see the new? There's some sort of Thor stuff that came out over Comic Con. Thor looks fucking good. Well, that's another. Speaking of like Patty Jenkins, another great director yeah. choice. Um, and the cast looks awesome, and it looks like weird as hell and different than the other movies. That, that you know, that's good. the movie we saw that trailer. I think it was I'm, – I'm going to kind of correct a previous anecdote I had made, but Owen made the observation that, like, you could tell Th- – I mean, Thor is good for its own reasons, but you could tell that, like, you see some – I think you see some Guardians of the Galaxy influence in the new Thor where they're yeah. like, let's just make this movie – because the first Thor movie is still kind of a serious movie even though it has comedy in it. This movie, they're like, let's kind of get wacky here with yeah, this Yeah, like they're going cosmic, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, okay, Alien Covenant is a movie that was also a while ago. This one came out May 19th. Um, and I, I haven't saw seen it. this one. I did not. Um, I did not like it very much. Um, it's funny. Like about ten minutes into the movie, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! I don't remember anything about Prometheus at all." And then three months after this movie, like I don't remember anything about this movie at all. I would guess that Prometheus, which I like probably more than ninety nine percent of the population, I will admit. However, I also admit that it is like very like confusing and weird and like not like like a typical quote-unquote alien movie yeah it's just it's almost more about weird like space science yeah. and stuff Philosophy anyway or something i would assume that is this movie like that is this movie more like prometheus or more like the first alien movie uh it, it it's actually a weird split where it's got elements of both uh-huh. and that's like but it's not i don't know that it's good at either Prometheus is a movie where, like, even though I think generally people were, like, sort of met with, it sort of was met with, like, a WTF reaction from the populace, there are people who are fans of it. I don't know that I've heard anyone really stepping up to defend Alien Covenant. Um, 
Here's what I would say. Here's what I do remember. One is there's a scene with Michael Fassbender and a flute, and it is by far the weirdest scene in any of these movies that we're talking about today. Right. It is like the strangest thing I've seen in any like big budget science fiction movie. I don't. I I, I have no idea what this thing could possibly be, and I love that. <laughs> um, and then. The other, Danny McBride is in this movie, and I thought he was great, and I kind of thought he'd be like Space Kenny Powers and like the comic relief, and he's not at all. He actually has like a really emotional scene that he totally nails, and it made me interested in That's seeing cool. him do other things besides... Um, I saw him in the trailer, and I assumed he'd be like, oh, he'd be kind of a cantankerous spaceship driver. Like a little bit. I mean, you can't... You can't but he's, he's still heavy lifting. Yeah. yeah, like you can't... I mean, he's still Danny McBride, I guess, but like I thought he was quite good, and it made me interested in seeing him in I other things. I think he actually might come from... I feel like he might come from like a, a, a more formal acting background than you think, because David Gordon Green is kind of his like in into right. the film industry. He, he's contempt. He came up with David Gordon Green, who some of his first films... I think his first film is like... Danny McBride, one of some of his earlier films that, that as an actor are like some indie gems, not like... The foot pre foot fist way, so yeah, I think he's always, maybe always had, and he's always. I mean, he's obviously an amazing performer, right, so I'm right, not right. like shocked that he can do like a serious role. Um, but I'm excited to see it. There, yeah. The, the other thing that made this movie tough is that like our, a weird thing about this movie is that like they don't know what the aliens are yet, but like we as viewers obviously do. So there's like a scene, you know, they're like, oh, his blood is acid, and I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, and they're like, yeah. see the eggs, and they're like, oh, should we touch them? And like. We know, like we know, we've 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 literally seen this movie before and know how it ends, and like it almost acts like it doesn't. I don't really want to talk about Alien that much anymore. I want to use our remaining two minutes here to change tracks and talk about another movie. Pre gone, sneaking a summer movie, sneaking a pre summer movie with my remaining two minutes of Alien. It is a movie you and I saw that I, I feel deserves a, two minutes of just two minutes of recognition. It is The Great Wall. Oh, I'm glad you. I'm the glad Great you Wall that came out earlier in the spring, maybe. Uh, it. Bombed hor- horribly. This is a movie that was made in China, and it was like China's attempt uh, to be a big player in the uh, world market for cinema. And the way we are, they want to like export movies and yeah. make tons of money. Um, and they hired a lot of American actors, notably Matt and Damon and um, the guy who plays the Red Viper, the Red Viper, and he's on Narcos. That dude's in it, John Malkovich. Someone like that. No, Defoe. Willem Defoe. Defoe, right. And then there's also Jet Li and Zi Zhang, I think is her name. She was in House of Flying Daggers. Mm-hmm. So this is, and this is also the director of House of Flying Daggers. Zhang and, Thank you. And uh, Hero. Uh, I particularly loved Hero Both in college. Great movies, yeah. So I thought this movie, it looked terrible. Like the commercials were not be- great. And I think a lot of people assumed it was like sort of a white savior thing where Matt Damon shows up and like saves China. But yeah. I want to say that it's not that. It's actually the opposite of that. And it's uh, actually Chinese propaganda where Matt Damon arrives in China and then, like, learns their ways and actually, like, gets, like... Yeah. Uh, be- becomes a part of them. It's almost a reverse white savior thing. Absolutely, um, So if that yeah. was... I mean, I don't know if that's better or worse, but... Uh, if that was your concern, that's not in there. And but yeah, so putting that and aside, it's also a Chinese production. Zhang Yimou. I mean, it's so you know. Yeah, this it, director it is, is like, like no joke, and he makes yeah. like awesome, really uh, some of the best looking action scenes in, uh, ever. Really, I remember kind of this movie's it. no different. I, I thought, thought I kind of liked it. Right? I liked yeah. it a lot. I thought it had cool monsters, cool action scenes. You get like, the Zhang Yimou visuals. Like that's a big totally. part of it. it. That's what elevates it above just being like it's. I think it's a totally like solid it just works as an action movie i wouldn't say it's like the like transcendent no, movie, no, like no, no, plot no, no, wise no. at all i do think so it has some cliches but it's like good enough of the regular action movie and then on top had but has this like you know varnish of unbelievable zhang yimu i think i hope i'm getting his name right visuals a la hero house of flying daggers and that to me that's what makes it really pop i think yeah um so as you know, that's the thing is like Alien Covenant. I actually don't know who I'd recommend Alien Covenant to. Like, 
even hardcore alien fans, I don't think, are really going to be served well by it. Uh, but The Great Wall, I could recommend if you're basically anyone who was int- intrigued by my Valyrian description would also enjoy The Great Wall. Like, it's a cool. So, did The Great Wall even, not even in China, did it make money? Or. I don't know how it did in China. Yeah. It did not do well in America. I mean, the market, like, it looked bad. Like, the it did. Uh, the commercials did not serve it well. Like yeah. it was actually, it, it's much better than the commercial than the poster made it look. That's that, that's really what the I want. I just, I think what I remember is like each of the bat action sequences, especially on the. I think I actually shot it at the Great Wall of China. I, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, uh, a couple of the some of the early action scenes are like basically orchestrated like a beautiful ballet. Did this guy also direct the opening of the Beijing Olympics? Maybe I think I know they hired that's basically right. like the best director they had. Yeah. Those obviously are like <laughs> that's like the best movie of that summer, <laughs> the opening of the Beijing Olympics. So a lot of the action sequences are done in that way. Like there's scenes where like people and you know all in sync, sync you know synchronized jumping off the wall with like these bungee cords. You yeah. you just there's a lot I, of like Cirque du Soleil, Beijing Olympics, beautiful choreography, like almost. More impressionistic than like a literal action scene. But I remember a lot more about the Great Wall than I do about Alien Covenant, even though I saw Alien Covenant several months later. There's nothing about the movies that makes them comparable, other than that I'm discussing them right now. Like, it's I'm glad we fit the Great Wall though, because I I didn't see some of these, so I wanted to talk. And I think as early as it was, I do feel like it wasn't meant to be like a spring movie as much as they were just trying to like jumpstart the summer. Possibly, I I would I would argue. All right, we got two movies left, Pat. Let's okay. save Dunkirk for last, um, because. I don't know. Let's just save Dunkirk for right. last. It's the most recent. Let's instead talk about Okja, which is a movie maybe someone hasn't heard of. Let me. Uh, I, I keep saying start the timer. As uh, I've betrayed the illusion that we have someone standing by the gun. Um, we so Okja is a movie that was released on Netflix. This was one of Netflix's um, big dives into uh, original film. Obviously, Netflix is really running shit on the original TV side, but I don't think they've made quite as much impact on original film. This is one of their bigger bets in original film. Uh, it is a, from the director, I can't think of his first name, but his last name's Bong. That's easy to remember. Uh, Korean director um, who made Snowpiercer, which I really loved, and Same, The Host, which I was pretty enthusiastic about. He's made a few other Korean movies. Um, so I was really excited about this movie. It's kind of about uh, this, it's like sort of a light satirical sci-fi thing where they uh, create this giant super pig that's going to be the future of food, and this girl raises it, and then the company wants it back, and the girl... You know, yeah. there's all these adventures trying to get the kind of like who, yeah, who has kind of like a rescue adventure, an yeah. animal rescue adventure set in the in the world of food of factory farming and right. that kind of stuff. I mean, that's one thing. You, go ahead. I really liked it. I yeah. liked it a lot. It's like all of his movies are really, and I think this is. Um, I don't know a lot about Korean cinema, but I think this is a thing in Korean cinema that his movies are tonally very wild. Like yes. there's like very broad comedy and then like very intense drama. Yeah, and. So, like, it doesn't totally hold together. It's a little rough around the edges at points. But I thought there were scenes that really stuck with me, actually, and yeah. I found really effective. And it's a lot of fun, and I, I really dug it. I think that is, I mean, I don't want to, like, not that all movies that aren't American are the same, but I think that is, I, I think you're right. Like, that, that a lot of foreign films, um, I know in, in, films in Asia do have a, a sort of schizo- tonally schizophrenic by design. Bollywood does that a lot, too. Bollywood, exactly. You'll have one scene that's a musical number, the next scene is, like, the guy eats the guy a, a extremely broad comedy and then the next scene will be like a very tender or serious death scene or something so um which I, but it works it's not like that's not a criticism like it's kind of makes the movie fun and no, unpredictable yeah, it and works. it's all somehow kind of come makes a good unified whole uh, i also like this movie prior for the reasons you mentioned i also do like that i normally don't need my movies to have like 
So, you know, I know I always love, like, bad 80s movies that like or 90s movies that have some sort of weird political theme yeah. or something like 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 you know i don't know some of those 80s action films i can't think of them off the top of my head but you know what i mean sure war games or something which is not a bad movie but yeah anyway um or like rocky four when it's depiction of the cold war these movies i really his movies i really like for that reason but they're actually good like they're I, his movies are like i i like there's a, usually some kind of like political subtext yeah. to them, not in your face and done in a way that's kind of. I don't find it, I, I just really like. I mean, even Snowpiercer, I think, has like oh, there's yeah. a super like f- philosophy, political totally philosophy like the poor people that. are in the back of the train and the rich exactly, people are on the front. Exactly, exactly. And but, this movie as well. And that movie, there's that's like I guess economic inequality, and it's a much. This one, I was I guess a, had a narrow narrower target, which is I guess just factory farming. Yeah. So that's one thing that I thought was really interesting is that. It wasn't like meat is murder, don't eat meat. Like it was pretty specifically against factory farming and even more specifically pigs. Not even like beef, but like pigs as intelligent animals. Yeah. And in the movie, Okja is a super pig who is more intelligent than regular pigs. But regular pigs are more intelligent than cows and, I don't know, uh, whatever. The pigs are smart and we eat a lot of them. I eat a lot of them. And I thought the um, movie, I thought that was a cool, I, I mean, I appreciate the nuance in that message because the main character, the main girl, um, you see her eat fish. Yeah. You see her eat chicken. Her father says like fish. Her grandfather says fish soup is like her favorite food. Um, so it's like, and she's like clearly, if anyone is the good guy in the movie, it's her. And so it's, and she's eating meat. So it's not. I, I thought that was interesting yeah. and more nuanced than you often see in these movies. Um, I, I mean, the, yeah, the movie had like, like it checks a lot of box for me. You got like satirical science fiction. You got like gore and like kind mm-hmm. of vi- like some sort of like stylized gore and violence. You have comedy. Like, there's a lot of things like I like. I like on the cast. I'm. This, I mean, there's both Korean, great Korean cast and American cast in it. And I like um, just to focus on the American cast for a second. I think that I. I it's really the three. The three most famous American actors in the movie are Jake Gyllenhaal, Tilda Swinton, and um, Paul Dano. Mm-hmm. And particularly Tilda Swinton and Jake Gyllenhaal, like they really. It's a bold. They're very bold, weird performances, totally. and I, I nearly just put their trust in this director, and they, they're having fun, and like, I mean, I've never seen a Jake Gyllenhaal performance like this before. It's like, and it's great though. I mean, it to, again, it's a weird, really weird out there tone, but like, it's awesome that they get it and are doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tilda Swinton especially. She, Tilda, well, yeah. she played a similar kind of like. They're different, you know. It's it's not like they're just repeating themselves. But she played a similar role in Snowpiercer, where she yeah. was like uh, at least very out there. But in this, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is a very weird performance that I think a lot of people will find grating and annoying. But I think worked and like I thought fit in the movie thematically. And like it was actually quite sad yeah. at, towards the end, you, as you saw, like uh, how sad he was. Really, you know, it's good. To, well, it's also good to see him because he 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 has a very. He, 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 the voice he uses, he kind of changes his voice in a very distinct way. It's a very kind of there's some wackiness to it. I've never really seen Jake Gyllenhaal do that before. He's sort of yeah. always been like a pretty serious actor. It's just cool to see them. It's just cool to see him like let his hair down and kind of try something. And Paul Dano, for that matter, who's also, a, a, from my told, is a very serious actor. Like even he, I mean, he had his his role was slightly more straightforward than the other two, but like it's still there's some weirdness to it. And definitely, you know, it's a little more in the usual parameters of Paul Dano weirdness, whereas this Jake Gyllenhaal thing is like completely off the map Absolutely, from where you've seen yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. before. But I dug it. I want to ask, even though we're past Gong here, I think it's worth asking, 
Um, this was like a big movie. Like I could have imagined seeing this movie in theaters and really enjoying seeing it with like a big crowd opening weekend. And I'm curious if you think like watching it, I, I watched it by myself. I don't know if you watched it by yourself, like watching it at home on Netflix, like affected the experience at all or just like what you thought about watching it on That's Netflix. That's a good question. This particular movie, I mean, I'd love going to the theater and I'm sure it probably would have been maybe a little more, I mean, some of the intense like animal slaughter, I mean, it's not the most, it's not super graphic, but it's part of it. You know, there's definitely some unpleasant images in it. Those probably would have hit me harder. Like if I was in a, seeing it a hundred times bigger. So I'm sure I probably would have enhanced the experience. Certainly. Um, I, but luckily it's also not like, you know, I, um, for example, the next movie we were to talk about, I would think it would have, hurt the experience had I not seen it on the big screen. I will say, and this is a really big compliment to Oakja before I move on, um, is that, like I said, I eat meat, I eat pig, and since I saw that movie, I've been thinking about how I eat pig, and like, I haven't stopped eating pig, but... Pigs are smarter, pigs are notably smarter than cows? Definitely. And I'm like, I'm more conscious, like, I haven't stopped, but there's been like a few times I didn't, and like, I don't think I'm like gonna give up pigs, but like, it makes me think about it when I eat them now, and that, because I was like... Because after watching that movie, I was like, well, I wouldn't eat Oakja. And then I was like, but I eat pig, you know? Yeah. And like, that's. And so I thought that's almost. That to me is like the ultimate compliment. That's to like, the movie. See, like when I saw it was effective. Uh, yeah. Like I feel like the movie did what it was supposed to to me. You know, uh, when I saw Transformers Five, <laughs> I really was realized that all sentient beings deserve justice. As uh, Optimus Prime, it's like uh, you know when we I lived in L.A. and. In L.A., you can't get plastic bags anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, you come to New York, it's like plastic bag heaven. I'm, I'm sure. back. I'm seeing and, one right here. And I, um, plastic bags are bad. Yeah, you see one right here in my, like, <laughs> Sorry. It, it's full of things. I don't mean I'm to st- call you out. It's functional. I'm storing microphone cables in it. Oh, that's uh, good. Recycling. Yeah, exactly. But, like, when I, I don't not use plastic bags, but, like, living in L.A. when I did, like, made me very conscious of it. So it's not like I've, like, quit it entirely, but, like, I'm aware of the issue, and I feel like that's, I like, try a good, not, so that's I, a I almost de- – I decline bags unless I absolutely need one. Yeah, Like, yeah, yeah. not, you know, not the gross you, – whatever, whatever. Yes. Hey. We're so good. We're so – We're basically saints because we watched the Netflix movie. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at here. All right. Final movie of the day. It came out uh, so recently I didn't see it. That's right. I saw Valerian instead of oh, seeing you didn't see Dunkirk. I did not see Dunkirk. You saw? Oh my god! I saw Valerian. So I didn't see Dunkirk. Um, so okay, Pat Castles, tell me, uh, this is the movie you've been the most excited about all summer. You've been talking about Dunkirk all summer, it's and true. You bought, I, as I always am with Christopher Nolan's movies, right, right, right. Yeah. And a lot of people were, and you bought tickets months ago, right? Yes. Like as early as possible. Seventy, 70 millimeter. millimeter Alamo Drafthouse. Drafthouse. Yeah, um, I wanted to do IMAX, but it didn't work out. But it's fine. Draft House is the best. Also, I want to say, like, the Draft House should be the sponsor for this episode of the podcast. I'm so glad there's an Alamo Draft House in New York, and I saw most of these (laughs) movies there, and, like... Oh, it's, I'm so glad that Alma Draft House is finally open in New York. If anyone, and anyone from Javos hears this and gives Jeff some kind of free pass, I get one too because I'm on the episode. So um, I'm using up your Dunkirk time. Tell me about Dunkirk. Did it live up to those expectations? It did. I thought it was really, really I, – I loved it. It was – I definitely went with high expectations and it met them, which is great. Um, it was – what's interesting about the move – I'm trying to think of where, where do we even attack it from. Here's one thing I'll say. It's only 100 minutes long, which was like unbel- – which I was so – that's not why it's good. But when I learned that, I, I was so sure it would be like three hours long. Yeah. Like, And I love him so much. He's like one of the few directors that I feel like earned three right. hours of movie. Um, so that was cool. It's very t- – but what was surprising – That's good. – was how like tight it was. Like it's- Valerian. I'm just kidding. Valerian's like two and <laughs> yeah, a half. Yeah. It is the least tight no. movie of all time. So before the movie, they showed like – like uh, at the draft, I was doing this cool thing where they showed like Christopher Nolan's inspirations for this movie. And 
some of them were ones you expected, some like classic war movies, like um, some, you know, just, I don't know, like uh, uh, The Longest Day, which is like the Normandy Beach movie or something. Like these, you know, he's obviously a classic filmer. But then also, and I'm pretty sure he curated this list, Speed and Unstoppable, the like Tony Scott train movie. Oh, I never saw that, were, though. I've heard it's okay. We're on that list. Yeah, yeah. But Speed is obviously yeah. great. But, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think, that, I'm surprised Christopher Nolan's ever even seen that movie. It just seems like a different, like, Ilk of his, I don't know. Tastes. Christopher Nolan seems fun, right? Like, oh, absolutely. I just mean, I, it was just like it, it was. It was just of, of among the other movies, it was a little out of place. But when you saw the actual movie, it was like, oh yeah, he wanted to make a movie that's just like a kind of nonstop, which is cool because again, I you know his movies are all. I love all of his movies, but like they're pretty like they're kind of epic and sort of long and and meaty. And this one was just tighter, which is cool. I will also say, um, I was. It's an undeniably Christopher Nolan movie, which I was a little surprised. I was like, "How is he? Like, he he? This is not a movie set like in a black hole. It's not told back. He's not telling the movie backwards. You know, it's not about magicians who are you know have these crazy science powers." Right. So I was surprised. I, I'm not going to give too much away because it's kind of part of the charm of the movie. But it's more Chris. He plays with narrative more than you think he would in a movie like this, in like a World War II movie, so- which is cool. Here's the big question for me, and probably one reason I'm not as excited about it, though I'm going to see it, but one reason like I didn't get 70-millimeter tickets months in advance yeah. is uh, I don't really like war movies very much. You know, you've heard my robot monster alien theory. <laughs> like they're, they're generally not in war movies. Uh, do you think I'll like this movie? I think I think you will like it possibly. But it depends on why you don't like war movies. If you're not like – there's no scenes – if you don't – like – it kind of just starts like very quickly. I mean, there's, I've seen good war. Like, I've yeah. there's war movies I do like. It probably depends on what you take umbrage with in a war movie. That's a good question because like there's no, for example, one scene they don't really have. There's not like a million scenes of just people standing around a bat like a table and moving little like things around. Like they're here, the Jerry's are here, and we're here, and we're here. That's kind of like so. It's it is more like speed than say I'm trying to think of a sort of longer kind of more sprawling war movie. It's not boring if that's why you don't like war movies i'm not sure i don't know why i don't like them i guess i mean i don't know war is i guess i like movies to be fun and war is like inherently not a fun mm-hmm. topic you know it's not fun really it's funny christopher nolan's movies i would never describe any of them as fun that's which is so weird that's true because so many of them are, so many of them are good <laughs> yeah even the batman movies are like not fun that's probably what happened like you were talking about the reason that the those DC movies are so joyless is that like they just saw the Chris Nolan movies like okay like but we just have to do that like but if you know Chris Nolan was somehow able to make these like kind of joyless movies that still are amazing whereas Zack Snyder is less good at that for some reason so this is Anyways, good so and Chris Nolan's still like one of our best directors is that what you're telling me I think so I think he's I think he I, and again I think that he like I was the Edgar Wright baby driver thing to bring it full circle um he pivoted. This is an entirely new genre for him. I've never. He's. It's his first. I think it's his first non-sci-fi or fantasy film since Insomnia. Every movie since then has either been a Batman movie, or about space travel, or going inside dreams, or magic, or magicians with crazy superpowers. You know, like. Mm-hmm. And I really respect him trying something new, bringing a lot of his own thing to it. I don't know. I, I I'm obviously biased because I I'm. Just such a Chris Nolan nerd, um, like many people are. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was, a, and I was pleasantly surprised by how. I will say it's um, like his movies. There is sort of a coldness to it. Like I can't really pick out like a favorite character, mm-hmm. which it's kind of hard to do for any of his movies. He's definitely uh, he's definitely has a little. There's heart in it, but like, and some of my friends I saw, I think they took umbrage that there wasn't like a, a, a singular hero in the movie. 
Um, there's not even a lot of dialogue in it. It's kind of like a very quiet film. So some of those Nolan-esque things, if those bother you, you're going to have some of that in there. I'll warn you with that. But if you... I don't know. I would say it's um, just good for the reason most of his movies are good. But on top of that, tighter than it, like just shorter than his other movies, which is cool. <laughs> and also, uh, I don't know, just Christopher Nolan, seeing him do a different genre was fun for me. I'd love to understand, like, Christopher Nolan's one of the very few directors who works in this space that we've been talking about for the past two hours yeah. that uh, can do whatever he wants, you know? And yeah. I'm curious, like, I'd love to get some insight and after I see the movie into, like, why this one? Like, he can make any movie he wants and get any point. amount of money for any movie. Like, I wonder what it was about this story that, like, you know, he was like, I wonder how he picks his next project. Well, it's br- he's, he's British, and, like, this is, like, their, I think Dunkirk is, like, their norm. They, I mean, I mean that they were, I'm sure the British were involved in D-Day, but, like, this is, like, their Normandy. I don't know, it's such a, this is a very, very major story in, like, English history. Gotcha. So I'm sure that was, like, maybe the honor of doing that or something. I, you're right, though, that, like, that's the fact that he could do I feel like we're very lucky that he has so much in power and able to just get all this money to do these movies that like, and he wants still wants to write his own screenplays and try weird stuff and you know what I mean like mm-hmm. that's not like not to compare I don't know I'm going to compare this to Valerian but like even though I think one movie's better than the other like I'm just glad that there's some original fare right. in the summer for um, better or worse well we made it through another summer. Uh, we did. We're doing this a little early. I kind of want to see Atomic Blonde, and it's not out yet. Oh, that's and right. Detroit I'm, looks pretty I'm good. I'm very excited about both. There's of those one movies. other movie. Oh, Dark Tower. I've actually. I love Stephen King, and I kind of in the back of my mind, I'm one day going to read all those books. So I'm like, I'm sort of fifty fifty on if I'm going to see the Dark Tower. Oh, okay, but um, Atomic Blonde. I'm very excited. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, pretty good. Like, like I said, none of these movies I really didn't like. Like even the ones I didn't like, like um, It Comes at Night, were obviously good movies. Yet, I don't know that there was one of these that, like, I'm super enthusiastic about and, like, mm-hmm. am really, like... Yeah, there's... It's funny, when I looked at the list, I was time. almost a little nervous because it's so much more fun to talk about a movie that we just both, like, despise. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't really... I mean, I saw The Mummy and, like, other than The Mummy and, and Transform, which we didn't, we didn't see Transformers 5, but, like, are we... Are they just getting better at making not terrible summer movies? I think or are so. we avoid are we getting better at avoiding them? I think that's a piece of it. Like a lot yeah. of like three star movies here, you know? That's yeah. not bad, but like I don't know if there's a four star one necessarily. See, I'm kinda of nostalgic though. I definitely like I want that's maybe another reason I have like a soft spot for Valerian. On top even on a reason I think yeah. I'm not being super hard on Valerian is that it's just like I definitely do not regret seeing that movie. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> um well, I, I guess that, that's it. We, 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 we closed the books on another summer. This is fun, Jeff. Always, I, I always a highlight of the summer. It's, and it gets me out to see a couple of movies. Totally. I, probably, I probably would not have seen The Mummy if I didn't expect to do If I didn't know I'd be able to talk about it on this podcast. You hear that, listeners? <laughs> Thank you for enabling us to see The Mummy. That's my blurb if you ever, if you ever make a poster for your podcast. Uh, Made me see The Mummy. Pat, thank you for doing this this summer. And every summer is a commitment that extends beyond the two hours we spent recording it. So I greatly appreciate it. Always. And listeners, uh, come back in two weeks for episode 200. Woo! And send me your suggestions for that. I'll see you there. But uh, thanks and bye. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>